0: You better be listening to Sleazoids or I must break you.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon.
0: Next week, just for you guys, we are breaking the rules Going into the early 2000s and they are absolutely banging films. Can't wait.
1: So join the sleaze absolutely uh we decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover patient subscribers also get an honor shout out and two bonus episodes every single month which we are in our sixth year of bonus episodes there's like 130 140 plus bonus episodes as well as our bonus transmission series which there's like 40 or 50 of now where we talk about new release genre films and there's a lot of them coming out you might be at there's new evil dead on the way there's a new ariaster film on the way so you might want to uh sign up patreon.com slash sleazoids podcast for those of you interested in that um and uh speaking of which we did have a bunch of people make the jump this week so Beautiful. let's give them their shout outs here we had uh cole uh, goff we had aiden uh Stacey, uh easton uh spencer wilkie matthew bird uh jesus o2 at five dollars <laughs> a month thank you jesus uh tatiana vaughn uh matt ford Severin uh, Noaks, uh, Theodore Hanoosh, uh Darren Merlot. We're still going here. We had Justice uh, SZ, who signed up uh, for the annual tier, getting a whole year of the show in advance for a little bit of a discounted monthly rate, which you can do if you're interested. Um, we had Calvin uh, Kilby sign up, uh, Ethan Sturgill, uh, Lil Kissy, <laughs> uh, Drew uh, Turlip, uh, Flower, Atticus. Townsend, uh, Jonah Meadows, Special Agent Dale Cupo, Uh, (laughs) uh, Dino Ceres, Bren, Andrews, you know, not a lot of people have been taking advantage of the fact that I have to say your name out loud on the show. We haven't had like a, a, a next level yeah, hitter, we you know, want in more a little ridiculous while. Ridiculous names. That's yeah. Just for yeah. Josh to but, say. But, but, but moderately cold, you know, I'll take it. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> so thanks to moderately cold as the last guy who signed up there. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks to all of uh, you folks for uh, signing up. Hope you're enjoying those bonus episodes and we appreciate the support. Yes. Thank you. Um, As always, uh, the uh, other uh, plug for the week is Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you are listening on either one of those platforms, you can give us a a good old rating and review down at uh, the bottom of the app there. Uh, It helps us climb the ranks and, and find new listeners, and we appreciate that support as well. The, and then the very last plug is merch. If you like the poster art that based out of Toronto uh, horror artist Trevor Henderson did for the show, you can get that put on basically anything that you can think of. And you guys have thought of a lot of things, uh, hoodies, shirts, notebooks, pillows, uh, just Posters for your room or apartment. Uh, you can uh, find that at the link in the description as well as uh, over at pa- or, uh, Sleazoidspodcast.com. I was going to drop the Patreon again, but no, we have an <laughs> official website too. It's a real show. You have to understand. You got that grind um, set, baby. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that is it uh, for the intro. Welcome back to another week. As always, I am your host, Josh Lewis. And joining me also, as always, my co-host, Jamie Miller. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. Uh, I think two weeks ago would have been the last time you folks, the free listeners, would have uh, heard from us over on the main feed, and uh, we would have had special returning guest Brianna Ziegler uh, on the show uh, to discuss uh, aliens inside of human bodies experiencing uh, the highs and lows of mankind in a double feature of Nicholas Rogue's uh, Psychedelic and Erotic, The Man Who Fell to Earth, starring David Bowie from 1976, as well as John Carpenter's surprisingly tender uh, attempt at sort of like a Hollywood romance road movie Spielberg esque film uh, called Starman from 1984 starring Jeff Bridges and it it basically is adorable Jeff Bridges yeah, but kind of like what if E.T. was sexy and impregnated you is kind of like the, yeah. the vibe. Um. Yeah,
0: you, you know, he gets shirtless, but a lot of the time also he's doing that little like twitchy bird thing that he's doing while he's trying yeah. to be an alien. It's great.
1: It's good stuff. You. Yeah, it's wonderful. I've I've definitely had the final shot of that film and that score in my head for the last like two weeks. So if you haven't oh, heard yeah. that episode, go back and uh, check it out. We had fun breaking those films down with Brianna. Um, and then last week over on the Patreon feed exclusively for the patrons, we tackled a big one. Um, there's a as we mentioned a little bit earlier there's a new evil dead movie on the way and somehow we have made it this long without talking about evil dead or sam Raimi. so we finally uh did it last week we uh talked about and we wanted to do it in a double feature that you know wasn't just like oh we'll also do evil dead too. why not it's that that was too easy so we we found another lo-fi do-it-yourself Demonic possession splatter film to pair it with. So we talked about you know Sam Raimi's version, which is just very gleefully nasty and torturous. Um, and we wanted to pair it with someone who was very inspired by him. So we talked about uh alongside The Evil Dead, uh, Shinichi Fukazawa's uh, more slapstick gore fest called Bloody, Bloody Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell yes. from the year 1995. A title that I couldn't stop saying on last week's episode <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like, it's, just, it's on time. the short list of just best titles i've ever heard yeah. and somehow he had less money and less crew than Raimi even had on on his own film. It's basically like a one man show. The <laughs> guy who pretty much everything. Stars in it. He directed it. He wrote it. He did the special effects. You know, all the gore, makeup, and everything. So it's it's a uh, very very uh, impressive to see what a guy could do uh, on even somehow less money than the Evil Dead, which was not an expensive movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we and we hope that you guys really like the two films, uh, or at least want us to talk about them, because I think the length of that episode is longer than the two films
1: put together so
0: you're welcome for that we,
1: we we the first time ever we've broken our unwritten rule of making sure that the uh the episode is shorter than the runtime of the films which is something we try to we stick to too but much fun. There, there's a lot of interesting production history about the evil dead so you yeah. know come on you know we have <laughs> a lot of a lot of wonderful information in there so if you haven't heard that episode again com slash these Podcast. that was last week's bonus episode uh, but moving on to this week, and I, I actually did not mean to set this up in in the way that I did. But like yeah, we talked out. about Japanese gore last week, and I just had no had no idea what the films we were talking about this week even were. I didn't look them up. I should have looked them up. Um, but I and I should have had some idea based on who we were having on. Um, <laughs> but uh, moving on to this week, we are joined by a very special returning guest. I believe making his fifth appearance on the show. So definitely one of our uh, most most return to guests specifically because uh, you know, he is notorious for bringing on the most fucked up shit that we talk about uh, on, on this show. He kind of puts us in check anytime we, and you know, anytime we hit a Canon classic, we're like, no, 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 we need to go back to the gutters for a little while. And I can always count on this guest to do that he is an author he's a filmmaker uh he's made uh short films he's written books he's programmed films um and uh yeah you so, so hopefully many of you are familiar with him and his work that guest is uh, perry reland perry how you doing
2: i'm good thanks for having me again thanks for coming and yeah bringing the, we can, the
0: we,
1: crazy yeah you're 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 very reliable for us, any yeah. anytime I'm like, look, we've we have legitimately gone too long. S- someone hasn't challenged us in a while. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, it's time to call Perry.
2: <laughs> I was thinking last year I was on. Uh, I felt kind of guilty because I brought on two like classy movies. You know, I, I brought that's on, right, uh, Verdict, and the Cremator. But in the years before that, I've usually brought on like Japanese gore. I mean, my. First show, I did Tetsuo 2 as the Japanese horror movie, and then Midori, and then Mermaid a Manhole. And so to make up for last laugh. year... I'll, uh Yeah, I'm people should go back
1: and listen to those episodes, by the way, just because, to, you know, like if you like <laughs> industrial body horror or you want to see the most fucked up anime or film you've ever seen in your life. So much so that TikTok teens took the <laughs> challenge to see who could dare one another to sit through it um, or you're interested in shot on video gore. You know, Mermaid in a Manhole is maybe one of the grossest movies I've ever seen yeah, in my life truly. until today. So, <laughs> But until today is a, is a nice note that will set Perry up to talk about what we're talking about this week.
2: <laughs> I've, I had to bring on two Japanese gore movies, you know, one for this year, one to make up for last year. And I was looking through some of my favorites and I realized that there are two uh, incredible Japanese gore movies from 1988, both directed by some big names in Japanese horror and just Japanese scum cinema, uh, both about snuff films. Uh, And those Mm -hmm. films are Evil Dead Trap by Toshiharu Ikeda and Celluloid Nightmares by the greatest director of all time, Hisayasu Sato.
1: Yeah, no, I'm. I am excited because uh, well, I had somehow. I, I kind of vaguely knew about Evil Dead Trap, but I really didn't know what it was. I think it did yeah. get marketed because they kind of pushed in the title that it had Evil Dead in the name. I was kind of like, oh, it's like one of the Evil Dead knockoffs, which is honestly not what the movie is at all. Um, no. So yeah, that was on a, my definitely list, of interest to me
0: just because of uh, the cinematographer, because we've covered. Ooh. Movies, I believe that he's done. Yes, uh, uh, actually, three. maybe even
1: three. Yeah, because yeah, be uh, he, you know he he yeah. shot Tampopo, Lady Snowblood, and Serpent's Path by Kiyoshi mm-hmm. Kurosawa. So I think I think those are the three that we've covered. So yes, very uh, great cinematographer. So that I'm excited about. And this is actually will be our second time uh, talking about. And maybe uh, Perry might have to correct me on his name again too. It's uh, Hisayasu Sato.
2: Yeah, uh, his Sato or Sato. I I, Sato, I have Saito. not heard Got it you. pronounced. <laughs> Not a not a
1: not a filmmaker who gets talked about on broadcast reviews too often. Or Unfortunately, is, yeah. <laughs> or 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 in video interviews that I could find, he's got it's kind of hard to find a lot of information about him. But he we have talked about him once before in his film Splatter Naked. Right blood. And and I was also interested too that both of these filmmakers were uh, united in the fact that they both got started in the uh, pinku genre um, mm-hmm. as, as, as well in Japan. So straight up making softcore pornography and, and erotica and basically taking the filmmaking style chops they learned making those very graphic very erotic films and yeah both of them were like yeah what if we moved over into the world of like gory underground video and snuff film horror so <laughs> I, yeah this double feature makes a lot of sense to me. But still didn't get rid of the
0: Softcore porn. Let's go.
1: Yeah. No, well, it's especially in the second one. Yeah, yes. sat, yeah. He that was his whole career. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> he's, still I mean, making I, think, he's
1: still making them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, so, but uh, yeah, be, be warned up front to, I guess, to everyone, because on, <laughs> on, on an every Perry episode, I'm like, be warned, we're going to talk about some pretty disgusting things, but we are specifically going to be talking about filmmakers who were familiar with pushing the boundaries of what was acceptable both in terms of gore and sexual content, uh, making some very, very explicit uh, horror films this week, so there's going to mm-hmm. be some pretty vivid and disturbing... <laughs> <laughs> descriptions uh going around on 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 the show. But uh, but again, we've have covered uh, splatter naked blood, so if anyone has heard that episode before, not much more ridiculous than what was going on there. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: or a mermaid in a manhole. Don't.
1: But yeah, I I, I got put in a really disturbing mindset this week and even doing research, I wanted to watch a couple more Sato's just to get a little bit more familiar and I am yeah, I am I'm in a dark place right now, which is perfect <laughs> mode. I'm ready to get into it. Um <laughs> Let's, uh, let's kick things off here. Let's start things off with uh, Evil Dead Trap. all right we are talking evil dead trap aka trap of the dead spirits as it translates to and it is the 1988 japanese horror film directed by toshiharu Akita. uh he is a uh japanese filmmaker we're going to be talking about for the first time here and i think someone this might even be my first film that i saw by by him uh as well i have not explored although i've heard really good things about mermaid legend yeah uh, me uh, that's a I immediately watch listed because it, it seemed like more of like a crime film. So it's I'm, a
2: supernatural revenge movie that has that one Sold. of the craziest long take fight scenes I've ever seen, where like thirty people get stabbed with a spear. Okay. cool. yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Uh,
2: but 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 but
1: he is a Japanese filmmaker who, in doing some cursory research for we uh, found that he got into movies um, apparently in a, a drunken bar room bet. <laughs> that, uh, that he could make a movie uh, while he was, t- to other students while he was at school, just like studying literature. Um, and that was his that, that was his origin story. He was like, yeah, I'm this is it. I'm getting into movies. And he eventually joined uh, the Nikatsu Corporation, a corporation we've uh, mentioned a couple times, uh, which was uh, most famous for their uh, Roman Pornos, which is uh, sort of a name for the, the more sort of prestigious form of like Pinku films, which is Japanese softcore pornography or erotica film. And on those sets for Nikatsu, he apparently did everything from cleaning floors, like one of the characters in the next film that we'll be talking about, uh, to uh, shaving the pubic hairs off of actresses (laughs) between shots. Because Japan at the time had a law against showing pubic hair on screen and forced it to be blurred if it was seen, which also resulted in a lot of these filmmakers just keeping the underwear on, which is what we're going to also see a lot of in the yeah. second film. So yeah. anyone who watches this for the first time and is like, it's really weird that they get really, really explicit, but they just keep like licking each other's underpants. There is a reason for that. Yeah. The rule um, seems to be,
0: it's like just as long as you don't show those genitals, you can do whatever you want to the underwear.
1: <laughs> well, and honestly it was less the genitals than it was the, then was it legitimately was the pubic hair. Like that was oh, more gosh. disturbing to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a funny thought. so, uh, but yeah, yeah, eventually Akita working uh, his he worked his way up to directing a few of these Pinku films uh, himself, but had a little bit of a rocky relationship with the execs at Nikatsu because he kept making his films a little bit too rough and a little bit too vulgar, uh, especially in uh, one of a, a couple of his films, one called Sex Hunter. One of them, he did one of the entries in the Angel Guts franchise. Yes, which is a horrible name.
2: <laughs> uh, Angel Guts, if I may jump in for a second. Yeah, uh, is course. based on a manga series by takashi ishii who also ended up writing the original screenplay for evil dead trap and is a oh. great really undersung japanese exploitation filmmaker uh, i mean not Very only cool. did his manga kind of kickstart a whole wave of like neo iroguro in the late 70s uh he directed the movie gonin the japanese crime film with uh Takeshi kitano which nice. is one of the most like sleazoids core crime movies I've ever seen. If you're listening to this and you like like slick, violent, nasty stuff, which hopefully given the show you do, uh, <laughs> yes. do yourself a favor and watch Gonan. Awesome. Hell yeah. Awesome. Uh, I think I Kashi just Yitane. added that to my watch list. Actually. Beautiful,
1: beautiful man. It has a new movie coming out this year that I'm super excited about. Can't wait. Oh, awesome. Um but uh, yeah so, so so that was what Akita got, got doing he's making you know Pinku films for the Nikatsu company but eventually the creative differences became too strong between the two and it saw him parting ways to pursue directing straight up genre movies which we talked about in uh, one of his films uh, Mermaid Legend which was more of sort of like a supernatural thriller or sort of revenge film um, and then for whatever reason since apparently he's not particularly fond of horror films from what I could find about the guy he took on directing duty for Evil Dead Trap. Now, Perry, is this because of his relationship to the to the writer that you were just mentioning? Uh,
2: I'm not a 100% sure, but it mm. certainly wouldn't hurt. Uh I mean, he had ad- again adapted Takashi Ishii before with uh, a okay. Angel Guts Red Porno. And gotcha. then with Evil Dead Trap, we'll talk about this more when we come to like the actual movie, but mm-hmm. a lot of it feels like a director just kind of getting a chance to flex his muscles just kind is. of shoot whatever he wants you know so I, I assume he got some level of slack before he signed on <laughs>
1: mm. yeah well and, and from what I could could find is that this is typically by a lot of people considered to be one of Japan's earliest splatter films essentially mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, very interesting that you kind of came into this genre sideways, maybe not particularly interested in it and basically made one of your country's like foremost movies in a genre. And to see Um, so many, at least for
0: us, obvious influences of other
1: huge filmmakers that we cover, like
0: Argento, (laughs) Raimi, uh, like it's and then him to say that he's never even seen those films. It's like. Wow, I don't know I don't know if like I can totally believe you. There's, there's some things here that are well. That seems I was so gonna say
1: I was gonna say with the, with the rainy one, I don't think that's impossible. Mostly just sure. because it wouldn't be the first time we've talked about on the show a movie producer naming a movie to cash in on the popularity yeah, of oh, another totally. one, like not, without having anything to do with the film. Uh, like Fulci's Zombie Two immediately comes to mind. Like not a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, probably made some extra money marketed as one. And I could see people being like, well, you know, it's kind of a horf. It's kind of a films, I don't know. Call it Japanese Evil Dead the yeah. same way that they did with uh, uh, the Bodybuilder in it's Hell, which is the same thing. They literally, they literally yeah. just called it the Japanese Evil Dead as like the subtitle. Yeah, it's just
0: wild to also see these these close-up, uh, you know, knife-to-eyeball shots where it's just gooping out mm-hmm. and slicing.
1: And you're like, well, that's mm-hmm.
2: straight up Fulci.
1: Right oh, he, right? I, I don't believe him yeah. that he's not seen a Fulci movie, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. Now, the, the Italian horror influence is all over this. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the soundtrack is kind of like yeah totally. You've got, you've got the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah totally uh.
1: yeah um but yeah for anyone who hasn't seen evil dead trap the uh loose log line here is uh, that it is it is about a uh, late night talk show hostess named namie uh who basically regularly takes home movie uh tape submissions on her show that's broadcasted for the quote-unquote those who can't sleep Um, which is like a really great detail that she, you know, it it puts her in the same realm for me as uh, James Woods in Videodrome. She's specifically programming the freaky late night content. Yeah. Um, And one day she receives. Sorry, go ahead. I won't
0: won't spoil it. It's, it's essentially just the scene that comes up uh, after the, Oh yeah. I was going to say, yeah. So one, one day that she receives that. So,
1: yeah. Uh, what she believes to be a snuff film, which is the, you know, the murder of of a woman. And it's sourced back to an abandoned military base that they can kind of see di- directions via the the tape itself. And she decides to take a camera crew out to investigate it and essentially gets her crew kind of killed off one by one. Very giallo or uh, in very giallo or uh, slasher esque. Uh, fashion, uh, but definitely made by a filmmaker who was familiar with extreme and hardcore uh, elements of of the medium and basically saw his chance to apply his unique skills and sensibility to this type of movie.
2: Yeah, I, I, I want to mention also uh, for camera crew, it's a explicitly like one of the last all women teams Yes, um, other than the one which, guy
1: they bring. Yeah, they bring a one and guy security like the assistant director.
2: But yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like there are yellow influences like these beautiful clothes that they're all wearing throughout the shoot. Like uh Naomi is wearing this like amazing red suit the whole time. And there's yeah. a lot of detail in like their their fashion presentation. It just looks great. Um hmm. but yeah, they get to this military base which is like a almost like a Texas chainsaw style abject zone where people just kind of yes. wander in and get killed. Yeah. Um, and they just start poking around and basically in no time, uh, someone starts getting whacked off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which, which by, by the way, like they went there to being like, well, a grass uh, or sorry, a, 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 you know, a snuff film was just made in this place. And it seems pretty expected to me that maybe like the killer might still be hanging out there. <laughs>
0: yeah, what's even scarier and it was, it too is is having uh, Nami look at the tape that 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 they eventually follow for directions. Like as they're going, mm-hmm. yeah, that's on one the of my highway. favorite details. Yeah, it's amazing. They have a shot where the camera actually pans from the VHS that they're watching, uh, and it pans up to the windshield, and it's matching the exact same signs that they're seeing, so mm-hmm. they're on route. And it's just it, it kind of gives you that yeah. that that feeling of like repetition, like they're, they're on route to die essentially.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, and, and also I got to say like the thing, the uniting factor between these two is obviously the sort of the snuff film and the sort of videotape horror element that's happening here. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, I just, I'm really drawn to those images. Like just early on, like the first stuff, just like the, the static texture and the smeary kind of hazy noise of the whole thing like that opening from the perspective of the killer watching her on a CRT television Mm -hmm. and the close ups that almost appear to take place in like this desaturated static netherworld and her eventually watching that snuff film Uh, but like it's but it kind of like lit really nicely and framed in the point of view shot from like the knife's perspective as it starts going into a woman's flesh and poking her eyeball until it leaks everywhere there, which is yeah, the like Colchi-esque like, yeah. detail And Disgusting Yep It's yeah. long. Pops it like an egg yolk Horrifying
0: Yeah <laughs> There's my- a lot of like Oh sorry go on Oh, it was just it was a, a real simple thing. It was when we were watching it, it was uh, me and my brother watched it and uh he's never seen a Fulci film. So when he watched that he was like he had a visceral reaction. <laughs> he he just he saw nothing like that before and it was it was something else cuz it is long and detailed. Like he doesn't just show the 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 knife going into the eye and the goop coming out, but then he starts slicing upward as well and it's mm-hmm. just uh mm-hmm. oh, the attention to detail is excruciating.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I was just going to say, not only is there, like, all the CRT and video stuff at the start, like, throughout this big concrete labyrinth that they find themselves in, there are all these CRT screens, and they really capture, like, I don't know, the the texture of the technology, the way the light plays off the actors' faces. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. There are a couple of great shots where it's, like, match cuts. Uh, I mean, you mentioned the earlier one that's the pan up from the TV to the screen. Mm -hmm. But there's one where they find this... um, water tower on this abandoned military base. It's a match cut from the shot of it on the video to the shot in the film. And you can just see the difference in the textures between these mediums. Like you really knew how to use video for its unique effects, not just for like a cheaper version of film.
1: (laughs) Hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and, and I, and I really like that a lot, what the, a lot of the format switching does is I think it does create this kind of distance for the characters who are like, well, that exists in like a video. Like in, right. in the next film we'll talk about, there's one character who's like, well, that's on video. That's fake. Like it doesn't, right. that's not real. It doesn't make sense. And um, yeah, there, there is something to be, Yeah, and there is something to be said about, like, using that imagery in a really disorienting fashion to then pull you out and go back into the film where you're about to watch stuff that's basically just as disgusting. And it is worth noting that, like, the gore in this is wild. Like, we've talked about a lot of gory films in this. It's really, really violent and like like the opening seconds you have Fulci eye horror like Fulci usually waited a couple minutes <laughs> yeah, into the like movie three, before he it's per, like two you know,
0: minutes into this movie or something like
1: that yeah but but before he starts like shoving a woman's head into like a giant wooden splinter for an entire minute you know he he, <laughs> he, he, he took his time to get there and it, it did kind of remind me of uh, what what Perry has paired it with the, the Sato film we've talked about Splatter Naked Blood which had some similarly you know to the point very extreme moments like I yeah. think about that scene of that girl deep frying herself and eating herself or cutting off oh, yeah. her labia and eating it. It's just like <laughs> horror, really horrifying images. So, that's the realm that we're going to be talking about in this. But also, what's interesting is that he kind of does put it into a little bit more of like a pop horror sort of sensibility. Like Perry was talking a little bit about Texas Chainsaw. We've been talking, yeah. a, you know, there, people have been making some kind of Argento comparisons as well. So it, it, there is some stuff that I found kind of left me unprepared for just how disreputable this film was going to get. And not to say that like Texas Chainsaw is like the most reputable film or anything <laughs> right. either, but it's just, you know, it's, it is it is one of those things where I went, oh, you know, like it, it's speaking in the vocabulary, especially in the late 80s, of you know, commercial slasher films in some ways or Italian horror films that have like actually made it over and people just love the colors and love the music. And, and then you just get, you know, really, really genuinely shocking and off-putting and, and really upsetting violence in a way that, you know, might, I think even for gore hounds might have a, you know, a a, a pretty cool effect on them.
0: Yeah. And some of it comes off, like some of the violence is so over the top, um, and, like uh, stretched out in a sense to show you everything it almost seems and and by the end it could be argued i guess it could be but it's like almost supernatural the way some of these people die even though they're mixing it in with a very physical like slasher element like being stabbed by poles but they're coming out from the ground for some reason and then there's stuff like Yeah uh, that was the part uh, that
1: was the only part that made me think of ramy because we had just sure. watched evil dead and i was thinking about the tree totally. and i was thinking about you know like the the like, where's this the, the way that almost? yeah like the way that those poles move and the, like the way that they like pierce her and they don't just feel like someone pushed them through they kind of keep moving they do yeah. have like a tentacle like effect to them because yeah that's the very first kill is this woman just getting you know impaled by a bunch of giant spikes that come out of the walls and the floors out of nowhere and just like hold her in a place where they can like display her yeah in, the camera you know afterwards it, it, after
0: you see every single detail of her getting impaled he's still like now look at the still body for Here's a beautiful five slow seconds. dolly
1: yeah. out as you know we <laughs> see her as like this art piece. It is
0: very fluid
2: <laughs> movement with the camera and everything. Like he's really trying to display it. Basically there are I mean later in the film you learn that there is like literally two killers, but for most mm-hmm. of the movie there are like two killers where there is there's a guy who is the only other link to the military base theme in it is the killer is wearing like a camo uh jumpsuit basically and like a black leather cloak uh and he's doing yeah, like slasher like kills on a poncho. On people. <laughs> yeah, it's like a poncho. And he's doing like slasher kills on people, you know, he's choking people out with wire or he's like tying someone up and putting a trap for them. But the other half is this like very um I, don't know, I kept thinking of Argento's Inferno when I watch it. Exactly. where it's like the bu- That was the, the building I thought itself of the most too. Yeah. The, like the building itself is malevolent. Um, and mm-hmm. especially the sequence talking about here. It has this odd dream logic to it where it's the sequence where uh, the woman, Ray, I believe uh, she has sex with the one guy they bring along. Uh, the one guy leaves. And then she is like, going through a series of doors to different rooms and all of them have these very, um, uh, let's say um, charged images to them. Like mm-hmm. she's fully clothed in these industrial showers and then a door opens and she goes through and there is a bunch of maggots like leaking from the ceiling, like the scene in yep. Suspiria. Um, yep. There's a bit where she encounters like a snake and all these like, uncomfortable sexual signifiers that come without any logical coherence, but the film develops a, a coherence through, like, a sustained emotion, basically. Where yeah, there's even a very though-
1: slow-build creep factor to it, right? right? Where she's just, like, walking by a rusty, barbed piece of barbed wire or finding a a dead animal or you know it has a little bit of a and then seeing the mysterious man who's just you know looking for someone and telling them that this isn't a playground meanwhile they are deciding to have full-on softcore sex scenes in the dirty factory
2: (laughs) right by the time she reaches the end of that hallway though of all these like increasingly sexually charged images and then she's murdered by out of nowhere like industrial piping impaling her it's yeah. a, like nonsensical visually but it it kind of gets you in the gut you know it's just very uncomfortable yeah yeah and it's a similar like, way to the trees and evil dead yeah totally sure. i also
0: like the like we were talking about the contrast between the um the, the VHS footage and and the film itself and just one example I wanted to bring up is when they're actually approaching the, the the facility and he does this like kind of floating camera move that reminded me almost of something that would be an angst or something like that mm-hmm. and it, it just, I, I just I just Wanted to say, I just love those contrasts because that that seemed like a very almost it's like a prestigious kind of uh, <laughs> crane shot or something, and then and then you dive into something like you know his his impalement or the uh, um, the the more I guess well or something that is kind of straight out of Evil Dead is that uh, that POV shot he does with the what turns out to be the the brother or whatever. And it's this and kind creature of like creature that really moves very quickly and has this kind he of like... He flies
1: around maniacally. Effect.
2: Yeah, uh, and that's straight uh, up, should, uh, Out of Evil Dead, it seemed. Uh, yeah, the the POV shots are, but that last bit at the end where there's like a POV of the creature and it's like flying around, whipping back and forth. Mm-hmm. That sequence, and maybe the POV sequences earlier, but definitely that one, I believe were done by the great Takashi Ito, um, who is a Japanese experimental filmmaker who... This is one of, this is the only horror movie he's worked on. He worked oh, cool. on a couple of uh he worked on like a Kaizo Hayashi movie, he's worked on some other things, but it's fascinating that you have like a guy from the heir to Toshio Matsumoto as like one of the great Japanese avant-garde filmmakers doing special effects sequences for <laughs> this really disreputable, sleazy horror film.
1: Yeah. No, I mean like and that's kind of like the the realm that the film operates in like it like it it feels very visually accomplished all of the things that it's pulling from like the fact that we're comparing it to. Hooper and Raimi and Fulci and Argento like he Mm -hmm. he seems like he stylistically it seems like he has a depth of you know understanding the visuals of horror the way he shoots the you know the voyeuristic elements of it and you know the I mean even just like a a simple shot like that insanely creepy reveal of the two girls talking about heading back because they're getting freaked out and it's framed on like this windowsill where Mm -hmm. we can see like one of the imprisoned men's hand reach out only for it to get stomped on by the Mm -hmm. man in a mask and a poncho in the foreground of the shot as the two girls are there like being spied on. I also wanted to mention this because the score definitely goes full goblin uh, prog rock, especially when it gets into the more sort of Inferno esque, you know, she's in the killer's lair. The building itself almost looks like <laughs> it's kind of alive and on fire and it's uh, almost raining inside too. Like all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff is really amazing. The score early on, there's this very twinkling synth that it has yeah, And I was so distracted by the fact that it almost has the same melody as the German Eurodance song all around the world, <laughs> the, the la 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 laws. And I was like, and I was like, oh man, I, I, this is a two, like two weeks in a row where I've had like weird uh, song connections just <laughs> yeah. kind of come into my head um, awesome. while watching it. Not necessarily the vibe I was expecting, but there's also kind of like these piercing flute sounds. It has a very dynamic score actually for like what it is.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: It kind of goes all over the place, which is, I guess, what we said earlier. A little bit similar to Argento, where he'll have things in placement that you're like, I, I would have never thought to put it there, but somehow it's giving this kind of different, I don't know, energy or something with the scene. Uh, there, there's something contradicting, but it it almost makes it more. Uh, I don't know. It's just.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I felt list. that about the unpredictability of the images as well, like the sure. constant <laughs> use of exaggerated low and high angles. And there's one shot that really freaked me out when I watched it, um, which was when the two girls are going back to the van, and it's shot from the point of view. And it ends up being kind of like a, you know, a little bit of a, I guess, a red herring scare or a jump scare or something like that. But the, but mm-hmm. like the the shot of the girls going back to the van is actually someone inside the van watching the eyeball. Snuff tape. yeah. And then all of a sudden, when it hears the girls, the camera lurches to be like, oh my God, the girls are here. And my first thought was, holy fuck, like, who is this guy? Why are we in this? Go- like, what, where did, where did this guy, and it ends up being just, you know, a, a, one of the guys like snuck in or whatever condo. and he wanted to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny too because well, they brought him for security and he spends the entire time just scaring the shit out of them. Yeah. He,
2: yeah. He, <laughs> just, he just fucks around. He has sex. He pulls pranks and then he gets decapitated off screen at some point. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. But I'll I say it really is a case where this a movie where I'd say they're like no boring or regular or like easy shots, but they're mm. also, it's not show off either. I mean, there's a long sure. take in this movie that's pretty incredible, but it's also very subtle. Um, it's. Towards, uh, there's, I think one of the movie's biggest problems is there's a lot of like exposition dump stuff near the end. And mm. one of them is delivered by uh, a guy talking to a character in the sewer. And he's talking to her, and I watched this with my friend, and we got like two minutes into him like warning her and them having a conversation. He's like, hey, the camera's still rolling. And it's like yeah. going back and forth and moving with them. And uh, it's very...
1: Yeah, they, they were it, like, this very is the one dialogue connection yeah. scene, so why don't I, like, actually not discombobulate you for yeah. it?
2: Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's very assured filmmaking. Yeah, you know? yes. he, he knows totally. what he's doing.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so much mileage out of the the, the mood and of the location uh, of, of these like shot choices, mm-hmm. even just small things like the camera flashing uh, for photography to get the strobe effect that they do at at one point is amazing. Or yeah, that insanely crazy dolly zoom on the yes. harshly lit like moonlight blue hallway as like all of the girls go to one end of the hallway. The, the first girl who got impaled was dead. And all of a sudden down the hallway this dolly zoom occurs in like a Dutch angle while something is sliding towards them and you can hear the scratching noises because it's a meat hook sliding on a rail and speaking of Texas Chainsaw and the girl is literally sliding towards them and like slams into the wall behind them and even when you're like it's a shocking image but then you also get details that like immediately one of the girls just like vomits almost all over the camera and stuff it's just a filthy movie in that way but so dynamically shot.
0: Yeah. And pretty Uh, much right after that too, you have, uh, well, first you have the setup of the girl using the camera for just kind of seeing in these dark rooms. And then I think Kondo does a prank on her, but that's an awesome setup for what happens later when she loses the camera and then she starts seeing those flashes follow her from behind and she knows Mm -hmm. that the killer is behind her. So good. Then it turns into that thing you were talking about too, where it kind of does the, uh, the kind of stutter effect as the killer is going after her so yeah. it's just there's th- these layers to it that kind of all add to that moment and it's very cool
2: and there's that one incredible shot where it is like a classic suspense sequence where uh nami hears that one of her co-workers is like she's begging for help for a television and then nami yeah. goes to this door where she's hearing her from and we see a shot behind the door which is a long take from doorknob and a wire attached to it all the way around this wire and then you see the wires leading to a um a crossbow and it's wrapped around the trigger and cool. it's this set piece of like oh if she opens the door the crossbow is going to fire and her coworkers gag and can't warm her yeah <laughs> yes. it's, it's amazing
0: yeah, and what's, what's wild too about that is the, um, like it is, it's kind of a saw trap where it's almost like if they if they figure it out, maybe they won't kill their friend or whatever. And even after she opens it and the thing misses, it's almost a, either, on, honestly, with this killer, it seems like that was on purpose just to fuck with them even more. <laughs> but uh, then she trips a wire and this giant machete just comes swooping down from the ceiling and crushes right into half of her side of her face. It's Yeah, just, it
2: just embeds in her face. And again, oh my God.
0: Uh, the way her eyes roll and the blood
1: gushes and like her flesh almost starts to like peel off disgusting it's insane there's this
2: awful detail where she's she's like gagged uh Mm -hmm. when the cross was aiming at her but when the machete comes through it cuts the strap and you just see like her mouth goes slack and the gag just roll out yeah yeah it's yeah it's and he cuts a back like movie. three or four
0: <laughs> times. And every single time he cuts back, there's just more blood coming out of her eyes, more blood coming out of her mouth. Yeah. Like, yeah like well, well, I mean, eyes, that, that was ugh. some,
1: that was something that not, not the explicitness of the gore, but I, it was something that did remind me of Texas Chainsaw, but it, it's because of just like the sustained unbearability of it is yeah. kind of what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Like, like as soon as it kickstarts into a series of chases that, you know, are, you know, the, the killer sometimes tracking them into the vehicles or into rooms. Rooms and going after them just It really is just constant screaming And confusion And falling deeper into this property That as Perry put it Almost feels sort of malevolent in and of itself Like there's a part where They literally just fall down stairs That like swallow them Like they just break yeah. through well, When they collapse in The, dark the next
2: time we see them is they're on the roof Yeah, Like yeah. she falls down a stairwell To a lower level And then wakes up unconscious on the roof And like the moon's shining down yeah, it feels yeah, like a. The like setting, it's, just, it's crazy. Yeah, the, the setting is one of my favorites in any horror movie I've seen, honestly. It's so mm-hmm. bizarre. Like, it feels There's- like something from a video game. This weird, like, yep. liminal feeling, if I may use the word, um, where it's just these endless <laughs> concrete hallways. And they had a purpose at one time, cause it's an abandoned military base, which is just such a, a loaded concept for a slasher location. Yeah. But... There's no real relics of like weaponry or garage just like completely hollowed out. Yeah. And all that's left is just this brutal concrete maze. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, it was definitely there were
1: parts that reminded me of Silent Hill and like Resident <laughs> Evil a little bit, like some of the best parts.
0: Yeah, definitely. There was this uh, like I remember a feeling when it's a moment when I believe it's Raya. Uh, I think she's in the pink and she she breaks free from everybody for because uh, she discovers something and gets really freaked out and actually finds an exit. And I remember f- thinking when she got out going from the inside the factory or wherever they are at that that point. Um, When she gets outside, there was like this moment of relief for me, honestly, like it was, you were out of the labyrinth a little bit and she even gets to the car and gets to the gate and, you know, it's obvious in this kind of movies, nothing good is going to happen, but there's this like little moment of hope with it. And there's, there's, there is relief to being outside and not in this like hellish labyrinth. And then she gets like one of the worst
1: deaths of like anybody. Unfortunately, (laughs)
0: yes, she she absolutely does, which has honestly one of the, like the um, the 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 impalement scene, it, the, the visualization of it is crazy. Like it's it's a what happens to her is she gets a wire around her neck and she's pretty much pulled. up. Well,
1: I mean, you're gonna mention what happens to her before that as well. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, yeah. I guess I was talking about <laughs> specifically the murder, but yeah, the uh, what does happen is she she gets through to the gate and uh, there's this awesome shot actually where she gets out of the car, um, has to open up the gate, and then when she gets back. Uh, one of the i think it's the guy that they see earlier that gets the the hand stomped correct yes. um and he's yes. i guess he's kind of been like Taken prisoner, it seems, and and it it seems that he's uh, gone a bad way. We'll say because yeah, well, he yeah, well, to he will, yeah her. because
1: apparently he will get released if he stops them right. in some capacity. Like if he if he right. basically acts as sort of like an alarm dog to go and stop the women from escaping when the killer isn't there to actually stop them. Mm-hmm, Yeah, Wh- which he chooses a very specific route in which he becomes a really horrible rapist.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then he gets uh uh. Killed himself during that whole thing, and at first you think maybe like one of them has come back, and he, at the last second, yeah, she helped. Someone is helping her, but no. Then the moment she gets out and has this moment of relief, it's like this really dark sequence because it's at nighttime this time, and um and it's it's a shot from behind the van, but she's you get a side profile of her, and as she's getting, she's just basically getting uh um pulled up. Over the van's uh, roof and over the top of it to the bottom, and just hits the hits the concrete and breaks her neck. And you see the entire Horrible. thing from one side to the other.
1: And yeah, my favorite shot is that POV shot of like her perspective as the wire noose mm-hmm. literally like basically looks like it's going to drop down on top of the camera as if we are watching it as if it was going around our own neck before yes. it gets yanked. And it literally pulls her over top of a fucking vehicle. Yeah, like that's how strong it is.
0: There's something about that too, that it's like the length of the wire and the strength that would require for someone to pull at like that much, a human being yeah, supernatural. Yeah. It just feels, Supernatural, and even in the shot, because it's a, a thin wire that's doing it to her. Um, it almost looks like there's no wire. So it just looks like there's like a ghost choking her over the van. And it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's a great shot. I, I absolutely and, loved and, it, but very And scary. again,
1: double, double relief to pull it too. Like so mm-hmm. much subversion to be like, oh, she's the one who escaped. She made it to the car. Yay. But yep, then, then she's, she's getting saved. very, very violently, uh, assaulted. And then you're like, oh, well that guy now got, you know, uh, he gets something like pushed through the back of his head. basically, and He gets and shot he with a crossbow. Oh, with the crossbow. Yeah. yeah. And and it gushes blood all over her while he's on top of her. And then there's a little bit of relief to, okay, now she's going to escape. She's going to get out again. And then the wire, just (laughs) every little tiny bit of hope you have. It's like, no, there is some supernatural death machine coming to get these people. Yep. Absolutely. And
2: we should mention throughout this chunk of the movie, there's a, there's a stranger that shows up. Who's like, Hey you shouldn't be here. And he's like friendly, (laughs) but he's very suspicious from the start. Like he's always disappearing Mm -hmm. when someone gets murdered. And like, if you've seen one of these, you know that he's going to be at least a (laughs) bad guy. Um, But he talks about how he lives here with his brother. And uh, after everyone's picked off, he gives Nami a way to escape. And as she's going to escape, she notices the killer grabbing all the bodies from behind the van And dragging them back to his lair. And she has this moment of like she could escape or she could figure out the mystery she came here to. And that the pull of like morbid curiosity is what keeps her there. And then she just that was the the most survival
1: horror video game uh, scene for me in the film where she just straight up like that. That suspense moment when she comes across the corpses near the van. And, you know, she needs to, she's holding the gun, she's hiding there while the, you know, the masked killer is just dragging these bodies into a field. And yeah, it's like, she could get in the car, she could go get help, she could do something. But the way the camera moves around the van, and you can almost feel the gravitational pull towards, that's an intriguing image that yeah. you know what, what what he's doing maybe i should go see what he's doing and it leads into that colorful basement layer slash like shrine with all of her videotape footage because you know this this person i we we get a little bit of voiceover in that opening shot when the killer is watching her on tv that you know she kind of looks like their mother is kind of the implication that they might be targeting her for that reason but all the imagery of like the hospital beds with corpses or like the strange, like what looked like almost anatomical paintings that are like yeah, on the wall and stuff like, like the,
2: um, the Da Vinci anatomical sketches.
1: Yes. Uh, and I was like the, uh, just a feat of production design, this like layer that this killer has in it. I don't know. There's something like, definitely I got like a little bit of that uh, Inferno specifically because what I've always loved about that is that it basically does just strip Argento down to nothing but the surreal atmospheric mm-hmm. disorienting sort of like nightmare um, uh, elements just like all other worldly colored light shows and slow burn anticipation of the bodily harm that's going to come to these characters but in that film it's like loosely strung together by evil art deco building and right. in here you have like just like this weird sort of monster layer that accompanies the like prog rock like choir esque you know sort of uh, soundtrack that it has at this point and yeah this is the most where I was like horror video game straight up that was the yeah. first thing my mind went to and it's also the kind of thing where I would go this it's always been my problem with horror video games which is that I would go I'd be the opposite I'd be like no I'm leaving this building my character can walk out and (laughs) walk in that way and she she just keeps watching the voyeurism element kind of comes in she's so intrigued like that long shot even of him continuing to drag the corpses into the beds and she's like in his little bedroom Mm -hmm. and it's two completely different lit rooms and she's almost like peeking through the doorway kind of getting a glimpse of what he's doing it's horrible as
0: she as he grabs one of The corpse's hands, it literally falls off from just like decay. <laughs> <Yeah. to K. laughs> it,
2: it's a great reversal because you know, the start of the movie is you know, him and his brother, who we'll talk about shortly, are like projecting onto her. You know, they're watching her on screens and being like, yeah. Oh, she just looks like his mother. And by the way, if a movie opens with someone watching someone on a screen and then has a sequence where someone's eye gets cut open. Like, you know, the director's up some shit Um, because then you have her like stalking him into his house. And it's this weird, like, yeah, this domestic scene where you have all these pictures of these two brothers, one of which has a bunch of pins through his face. And yeah, then you finally get the reveal that the guy in camo has been the nice guy the whole time. But there's no sign of his brother at the moment.
1: (laughs) He's hiding. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. Mean, sh- like those
1: surreal aspects get launched into another gear when we find out that the killer is a fucking like fucking little little fetus monster that fucking like a, lives. Uh, yeah. Frankie Loudergul,
2: yeah, straight
1: up like basket case brain damage. I was scribbling those down when I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" He only
0: (laughs) really sprinkles it out like a tiny bit throughout the uh, throughout the movie. Like you have those povs that we were talking about that are kind of fast paced and have these like high hisses. and I think at the very beginning, there's kind of like a higher pitched voice that says something like "mother" or something like that. But then just because of everything that happens in this, you do don't you don't think about it as much. And so when there is this kind of crazy. Uh, very I guess Argento reveal or would this be more Fulci or Argento I feel like it's a mix uh, almost
2: I, I I feel like it's kind of at its own realm at this point I mean <laughs> sure, I, I definitely sure. like Lauder, but <laughs> yeah yeah oh definitely it, it, yeah it's just very strange it really comes out of nowhere I mean yeah, yeah thin, I mean honestly the closest stuff, thing I thought, thought about anything. recently
1: uh was Malignant Oh, where all dude, of a sudden it, 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 ha- it has that reveal in the third act where all of a sudden there's a fucking little monster inside the body and it basically operates like a face hugger from alien. And yeah. it's like, you know, I'm going to jump the fuck out of here and creature effects apparently, uh, done by a dude who would go on to do some like nineties Godzilla suits. Cool. Nice. So like it does, it does have like a, you know, like a texture and a slime to it. And it's yeah, really it, it makes too. those crazy sort of shots that didn't make sense earlier with the wild Dutch angles and crazy sort of flying camera maneuvers. Like they make Mm -hmm. sense because they are from the perspective of this, just this, this creature. So the two brothers together have been stacking the body count and doing the pretty, pretty amazingly orchestrated, uh, kills uh that they do i actually just realized looking at my notes here i forgot one shot we forgot to mention that <laughs> kind of blew my mind was uh after her friend gets killed in that one sequence where the mach- like the mach- machete like goes into the side of her head i forgot to mention that part where it's like a dolly shot where she's being chased by like fireworks and shit oh, and i was like yes. am i supposed to is, is 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 the creature is the little creature <laughs> brother like lighting these off you know like yeah, what?
2: i get yeah, it's <laughs> like
0: um a- he was if it was like a supernatural thing or at one point i thought because of the mix of like the wires dangling and the water and the fire that like explosions were just going off but
1: then it started happening in the
0: hallway and i was like this is just
1: wild i don't but that's also an important moment because it reveals that they don't want to kill her either right because she's Mm -hmm. like their mom or whatever Mm -hmm. so like when they crossbow her they just like pin her to the wall and force her to like rip herself out of her clothes in order to get out of it practically
2: Yeah. yeah very very edible um (laughs) <laughs> it only gets more so later on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, yeah. shit. Holy I shit. mean,
1: like this this whole <laughs> finale is fucking crazy. I love yeah, this is like, the like the twenty minutes. It. By
2: the way, it's it's really long because there's dialogue in between each stretch, basically. And it goes. And through, it has. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean. to. It movie. just has this like. While most of the movies kind of a sustained intensity, this one is like it feels like it's about to be over. And then something really bad happens again. It's a bunch of, like, false awakenings, basically. Where it's like, all right, we're out of the clear now. And then, nope, nope. And usually that stuff kind of pisses me off, but... It's pretty scary in this one. It like, does a decent evolution.
0: It does kind yeah. of take like five different of your favorite horror film endings and then just keep piling it on. Like mm-hmm. you have you, you have a battle of like one-on-one where it's the like charred body verse, uh, which versus uh, uh, Nami, which I guess you could say is like a final girl kind of moment. You have the mm-hmm. creature versus her. You actually have a... a, a uh, the creature burst out of her at the end and stuff. Like, yeah. there's just so many different layers to to all of the 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 action and I guess horror
1: elements of the I ending. I love the look of that finale though—the fiery haze mm-hmm. and like the wet texture yeah. of everything. Like just makes it feel inside. so. Uh. Yeah, it just feels so like otherworldly, but still, you know, dangerous and in a tangible way that the character is kind of reckoning with. And, you know, obviously revealing, you know, that this creature has been flying around and can do some damage. And when it when it goes full on, like it's not hiding anymore. Like there's that one moment that I think Perry, you were mentioning this is by the experimental filmmaker. Right. But like that bullet time capture yeah. setup that it does, which is basically like the same 360 degree stills capture setup that they did for the matrix. But like it's of namey sitting in the middle of the room, holding her gun as the, you know, the little creature starts like flying around and trying to attack her and get inside of her. And, you know, at one point straight up resident evil style starts using a giant tongue to like strangle her. Yeah. And shit
2: like that. That, that, that's an umbilical cord right that's the umbilical cord oh my god
1: but it but yeah like again it it feels like it I don't know there's like a weird biology to this movie and this Mm -hmm. building in a way Mm -hmm. because like even the overgrown vegetation inside it almost looks like veins and stuff like that there's just something about the way that this looks it this movie literally has everything
0: yeah yeah It It even has the
1: brother trying to like regretfully put the fetus back inside of him so that he can like (laughs) stab himself to death. And then they, I think that's when she lights him on fire to kill both of them. Uh, And then he turns into the charred zombie and is still going. The the, the
2: fetus (laughs) puppeteers, the charred corpse. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Which was almost
1: Dr. Freudenstein is yeah. what I was thinking of when he comes back as the charred fucking corpse and, and just how inescapable and grisly this whole like nightmare situation is. And, you know, she eventually has to like that image of her pushing him out the window and him shattering into ashy pieces all oh, over yeah. the exterior. What a great shot.
0: Oh, I love the detail, too. This this one is just unnecessary, but very cool, because at, at one point the the charred zombie version uh cho- chokes her and she comes out and as she's like looking over the kind of more calm location now because everything's over uh, she peels off like the charred skin off of her neck which is just an awesome detail and shot at the very end and I also like that he does this um like we've already talked about probably four fake outs and then he does an extra long one <laughs> like where she even goes back yep. to work and, and all of that and then gets a package. And and, and
1: she fucking sells the the event to the television, yes. which I thought was yeah. so dark, With because I mean, like friends. the original idea is all female crew going to investigate this like gruesome snuff tape and the male producer basically letting them do it, being like, ah, I don't care if it gets ratings, you know, whatever. Go, yeah, just finds go do proof. it. I don't know. Yeah. And then the way that she comes back and she wakes up and there is almost like an Italian Giallo detective being like, we could not find the <laughs> the the the, the, this, the fetus. She you know, implies. we don't know what, what you're talking about. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And that, uh, yeah, she she sells it to, you know, she did. She did find a great story. All of her friends died. And I think it's uh, one of the crew members comes back to her and uh, hands her a napkin saying that some man left uh, left it for her, that she forgot something. And it is just the uh, brother's lighter from earlier in the film, which there is that great shot of him lighting his lighter, revealing the decapitated head on the ground. I thought that was great. So like the lighter is actually kind of an important image. Um, And then she knows immediately what it means that like the little fetus monster brother is kind of still out there. And not only is he out there, (laughs) he is literally in her fucking womb and pops out of her and he's screaming
2: yeah (laughs) he he pops out through her stomach like it's like a a horrifying like inflating effect and like a pop of gore and this like giant fucking animatronic is popping out screaming at the protagonist and And then fading
1: um, into that negative film effect that it does while she screams oh my god what an image
2: the the image goes negative then roll credits and that's it
1: yeah. Yep. Just yeah. just her screams, and that's it. As he yells, "Mama" and "Mommy."
2: <laughs> it, I want to mention at this point, there's an Evil Dead Trap Two that's only oh my God. loosely connected to Evil Dead Trap One, and I think okay. this is the better film. But I should mention, Evil Dead Trap Two is even nuttier. Oh, like wow. it goes wow. to stranger and more gruesome directions than this one. So I did see it has decent reviews, so I I definitely gonna check it out. Who how uh, hard it is who did that time. one? Uh, Izo Hashimoto uh the only other movie oh. he did of that I mean I, I say of note, but like real sickos <laughs> uh this movie lucky well, Sky I Diamond. I, I, recog-
1: I recognize that name yeah he did, he did
2: a lucky sky Diamond mm. um which is like a or movie comedy that was sold as a guinea pig movie even though it wasn't okay.
1: oh. oh it looks like he also co-wrote Akira. Maybe that's why I've heard of them.
2: You know that would that would do it. Well, uh, that's why. That.
1: <laughs> that's quite the there. You go. Right there. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, I I really liked this movie. And if we are pivoting towards a reductive uh, rating round, this was like a very solid to maybe even a high four for me because I, mm. I couldn't believe what I was watching by the end of the film. <laughs> and, and early on, like there was a confidence to it and I really enjoyed it. Um, but just the way that it kept building and building and remixing so much horror that I love, like doing... Japanese horror, doing slashers, doing Argento and, and Fulci and Hooper and getting some like Hennenlotter and alien. And I was like, how many different things can this guy do despite saying that he's not a fan of the horror genre, nor has he seen many horror films. And I was like, I don't know, man, uh, mm. <laughs> you're, yeah, I mean, he's really good at all of them. If he, if, if he, if he hadn't. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really love this. Like I thought it was so just unpredictable and genuinely unsettling and uh, again, very dreamy and nightmarish, but, st- but not sacrificing any of just the really horrifying sort of tangibility of the whole thing, the production design of this fucking building and how just filthy and colorful it is at the same time. And, and the eeriness of it, the fact that it has long stretches that remind you of, you know, the sort of inescapable and kind of unbearable feeling I get when I play survival horror video games. Uh, like it has all of this stuff, as well as if you're a fan of it, like the, the prog rock soundtrack, the <laughs> insanely gory full GS kills. Like if, if you're a fan Baby of Demons. any kind of horror, I think you're represented in some way by this film that is basically like what 100 minutes long and has some of the most insane voyeuristic murder sequences i've probably ever seen in a film so i don't know i was kind of blown away by this and that i hadn't you know i'd I'd heard of it but i hadn't i'm surprised i haven't heard more this is gonna i'm gonna have to maybe go back to this at some point because this was really really good
0: yeah i'm right there with you i think this is awesome i'm also giving it a four um, he's incredible at building suspense. Like the the sequence be- before, I believe it's Rye, uh, gets the the impalement kill um, is actually incredible. Like there's all these uh, she's she's starting to hear uh, noises around the the area, and they do this awesome like side pan where. She's kind of she's center, but the 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 windows that are sh- showing like light coming from the outside are really overtaking a lot of the shot, and in the background, it's just a really beautiful and kind of creepy image. Um, And it leads into this, like, dark room where uh, Kondo ends up scaring her. And before that, there's this, like, rumbling that he's doing in the closet and and, uh, before he scares her. And it's just, I don't know, he's he's very good at suspense building. And then when he does get to the gore, uh, he does not hold back whatsoever. This is some of the... No, the payoff is fucking crazy. Yeah, this is some (laughs) of the wildest shit I've... I've seen in a little bit, and um, the you know, like if you've seen Fulci, you've definitely seen something like the first three minutes, uh, the, the the eye impalement or whatever. But it, it's still um, really disgusting, and he does find his own way of doing it. But Folge never did saw traps, yeah, yeah, you know? yep, you know, oh, yeah. The, and he's got the <laughs> the fake out with that saw trap too. Like he just has to add insult yep. to injury constantly in these kills. Um, yep, and uh, yeah, there's there's just something about. Him saying that he hasn't he he wasn't a fan of horror just seems so crazy because he's just so good at it and he he obviously has an understanding of it um, and this is surprisingly a kind of a beautiful looking film when it's you know not doing the yes. VHS stuff which is also awesome but uh, Tamara just he popped off again like I love the look of his movies specifically this one reminded me most uh, with uh, Serpent's Path probably because they also have a similar. Mm-hmm. Um, setting, if I remember correctly, where it's kind of in like a factory in an open warehouse and that kind of thing. So,
1: yeah, um, the, the, it, all, it also has the tape aspect to it as well. Right. As well.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, and they, yeah, he kind of utilizes like long shots. And I'm sure that was partly the director too. But regardless, it's yeah. it's great work. Um, so Yeah, do you know yeah. what? You've,
1: you've, you've just sold me Serpent's Path Meets Inferno. Yeah. I'm going, Hell yeah. I'm going, uh, I'm going uh, critic mode on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't have uh, much to add. Oh, I did like uh, just a, a moment in the, the movie we didn't I didn't mention was when she is at the van before she sees the, the killer come up and then drag the bodies away. She's kind of reminiscing about her friends and, and individually she's saying like Rye had a date. Uh, I we, mm. she was right, we should have went back, like all of this, so she's feeling guilt, but then you kind of get that more seedy ending where she's using the whole event uh, to still spring her career. So I like that there's
1: um, some complications there and some nuance, so. Um yeah, four out of five. and immediately driven by curiosity, like she could go and get help. She's like, she was right. We could go and oh, dr- yeah. get away and drive the van and then she's immediately like, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go spy on this killer for a little bit first and yeah. get into that crazy set piece.
0: keep going <laughs> in further and further, exactly. So yeah, great yeah. stuff. Yeah, for you, Perry. Uh, it's a five. I, I mean know, yeah.
2: it's just such a pure horror movie. Which Mm -hmm. is amazing, again, when you think the fact that, you know, Ikeda claims that he's not a fan of uh, horror films, but it's just it really does have everything you could want out of just like a capital G genre horror film, where it has all the cliches, and it's playing the hits in a way, but it's doing it so effectively, and so creatively, and with such uh, muscular technique that I, I, I really don't know how to fault it. I mean, it's just such a, a pure organism.
1: Agreed. Yeah, no, I I got to agree. Yeah, this was this was great. I'm really glad you showed this to us. Um, but yeah, so if you haven't seen Evil Dead Trap. Go out there. Go go uh, seek it out. Go see uh, corpses f- uh, flying on flying meat hooks, and people <laughs> getting grabbed out of thin air by wire strangulation, and have a good time. Get, get all get all the get a crowd. You yeah. know, have everyone react together. You know, yeah, that is a good time. definitely
0: one of those. It, the the the, yeah. the shock
1: per minute is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty unbelievable so yeah that's going to uh, wrap it up i think for evil dead trap we are going to be right back and we're going to be talking about uh, you know like maybe i'd argue maybe a little bit more of a feel bad time <laughs> um and not not necessarily playing the hits trying to be a little bit more confrontational with its use of genre uh we are going to be back and we're going to be talking about celluloid nightmares stick around All right, we are back and we are talking Celluloid Nightmares, the 1988 Japanese horror film written by Shiro Yumeno uh, U- uh, and directed by uh, uh, His- Hisayasu Sato. Um, who is uh, this will be our second time talking about uh, Sato we did uh, an episode on Necromantic 2 and Splatter Naked Blood um, I can't remember how many years ago now that we did that one but uh, both films about gory mutilation as romantic exception uh, obsession in a way for anyone who's interested and definitely a good pairing with uh, a little bit of what we're going to be talking about uh, <laughs> here because Sato he is a Japanese uh, pinku Filmmaker uh, definitely spent more of his career than uh, even Akita in you know in this genre. Uh, started there, uh, basically made his horror films within that genre, um, and then c- continued making films in that genre until even today, still making um, films there. Which we actually we did, we didn't mention by the way. But did, did, did Perry? Did you ever read about what happened to Akita? No, I did not. He, he apparently died in 2010 and they just found him turned up like in the ocean.
2: Oh, really? Jesus Christ. Which I thought
1: was really, yeah, which is really fucked up, actually, when I when I read that. And have I was you just like, read, yeah, so is there
0: any updates at all since then Th- that you know of? It? No, but
1: wow. people basically are not sure if it was an accident or if it was intentional. Um, no one, like, n- nobody has any idea. They People do say that he was depressed and he had always threatened that he might uh, d- 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 do something in that neighborhood, apparently. But, mm. yeah, nobody is, is unsure. But I, it was just something I thought about when I went into Sato, because when I looked up Sato, because I was wondering why that guy didn't have have a, a, a longer career or maybe wasn't Mm -hmm. still making movies because you know there's a lot of Japanese underground filmmakers who still get work today in their industries and Sato's is is, uh, one of them despite being maybe one of the more extreme that I've (laughs) witnessed like definitely the most perverted made some of the hardest to watch just in terms of pure violence and sexual violence and you know gory mutilation sort of masochistic uh, themes that he has I mean uh, really horrible scenes of rape when they do appear Um, Um, In in his films, all used as a function in a really interesting way to, you know, tell stories of power and desire and romantic yearning amongst these kind of really fucked up characters. So, like, it's very interesting, like he 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 does have legitimate concerns uh, about voyeurism and alienation and he just was like i'm gonna make horror films out of pornographic material and kind of vice versa like a like a little bit of he was he he operated in that realm and it's you know it's it's hard to recommend to anyone who isn't (laughs) You know, he wouldn't be my first filmmaker. I'm like, if you're going to try to get into extreme cinema, this is your guy, because this is a <laughs> guy who still kind of disturbs me as someone who has, you know, seen at least a few and kind of knows what I'm getting into. But I watched a couple of his this week to kind of get into the zone. And I got to say uh, the one by the title, I probably should have been off put by in the first place and kind of knew what I was getting into. But I watched fucking Lolita Vibrator Torture <laughs> and I got to say, I've got, like, I've got that one fuck, on, dude? Deck on my
2: computer. Just. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It, something to mention about his Sado That's very funny is all his movies have at least like two titles where there's like yes. the pretty poetic title. And then there's <laughs> the distributor title. Yes. So, for example, the bedroom becomes unfaithful wife, shameful torture or <laughs> um, secret garden. becomes Lolita vibrator. Torture. Yes. Or, I mean, God, what what's Kyrie Erickson distributed as? That, that's uh, splatter sure.
1: n- splatter, Naked Blood is a remake of a film that was just called Genuine Rape.
2: Well, which Jeez. was also released as Lust Mord or Pleasure Kill. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I think this
0: one has a direct translation. It's like abnormal extreme abuse
1: or ugly abuse. That's what it right. is. Right. Oh. As
2: well as Celluloid <laughs> Nightmares and Rewind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is (laughs) so this is just a warning up front. These are this is what we're the territory that we are getting into. But but Sato is a very interesting filmmaker and it it was cool to, you know, kind of go through a little bit of his stuff this week in in prep for it because his films are so short. I was like, I'm going to watch a couple of them and kind of get a better feel for the guy. And I've also been doing some Charles Pinion recently. Mm, Um and something that kind of united them, at least in perspective, not in terms of like necessarily sensibility. Um, I mean, obviously they both kind of liked the quality of of, of tape a little bit. But there was there was a, a great interview I read with Pinion where you know he was basically like, you know, I was being hired to make this very erotic porno. And he was basically told I could do whatever else I wanted as long as there was five fuck scenes. <laughs> whatever, I don't care, you have your money, do your fuck scenes, and whatever else is around them, who fucking gives a shit, I don't give, like, turn it in. I don't need the guys don't even watch it. Yeah, you know, right. we just, Skip you know, through. that's how the market works. <laughs> so, he can do the his his horror gestures inside of those scenes, and Pinion got in a lot of trouble, the same way that I imagine Sato did at a certain point, because he's, the, the horror gestures made such an impression <laughs> that it actually started making the people who were buying the VHS tapes of these pornos like upset. <laughs> he's like they were like, they were not like I'm not, por- I'm, I'm, I'm not horny anymore. And like, you're not <laughs> delivering the product. And, he, and he's like, well, the way I saw it, I was making, this was my way of making movies and art. You know, this is, you know, this uh you and know, you said the, said I the, do whatever, like, whatever I wanted. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a unique connection between those two guys. And I think that that perspective where Sato was, you know, on a pure market level, he was being asked to turn in, you know, pornographic films that would, you know, for example, would appeal to someone when they went, yeah, what if a uh, underage girl was tortured with a vibrator? You know, Mm. that's that's the market you're selling to now make a film within that. And I will say surprisingly and maybe not even surprisingly, even surprisingly, not even the right word, but like, I mean, surprisingly for anyone, maybe unfamiliar with the, with the genre or going into the film as just a straight pink, a straightforward pinku film. Like there is, there is, some actual psychological and emotional depth to a lot of the films that that he makes, including the Lolita film, which had this really crazy element to it where she not just gets like the revenge punishment sort of power fantasy against the guy who's who is assaulting her, but she actually starts to like kind of own the abuse and Mm. kind of enjoy it and collaborate with it and basically like becomes an artist in her own vein through it starts taking control of it in a way and that kind of element i think defines his films even more than necessarily the shock sensibility
2: yeah so many of his films have a self-reflexive streak um yes for example this film has not only is there a a sado staple where it's people having sex in proximity of images of violence. Mm, Sometimes yes. even literally their skin is lit by images of violence where there's a, a classic Sato sex scene that you're going to see in like every third movie of his is two people are having sex. Well, there's a CRT screen that's showing something gruesome and the light from that CRT is li- lighting them. Uh, mm-hmm. But in this, they even have like, uh, there's a, the, the snuff film that kicks off the plot is discovered in a sex video booth. You know, where people go in to watch porn and masturbate. They just find the snuff film there. There's a character who's a director of violent Pink films. Then there's a bunch of general, like, film and medium reflexivity stuff down to the title. But what's interesting about Sato is, yeah, he's working in this framework, but he's so married to his obsessions. I mean, now that you've seen a few, you can see that, like, he has only a couple elements that are in all his movies. And he's constantly remixing them, like a kaleidoscope.
1: Are you a lonely man wandering a Japanese city right. in a gorilla, a gorilla camcorder image? Yeah. You might be in a Sato film. Watch out.
2: <laughs> What's amazing is the artist, when I think of Hisa Sato who I got to say, I mentioned it before, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. You know, he's in my Mount Rushmore. And uh, the artist he reminds you of the most isn't another filmmaker, not even like another pink filmmaker like Koji Wakamatsu or something, but um, J.G. Ballard, the novelist, because okay. not only is there like a similar fixation with like the intersection of technology, eroticism, and death, but he has a very specific set of these intrinsically linked images and obsessions, and he's just constantly reconfiguring them. So there's like every Sado movie, you're going to find at least some trace of like surveillance, video ther- mm. therapy, screen as two way voyeur, Tokyo is concrete yeah. desert. Sex on or in glass furnishing, medical comas, (laughs) medical bandages, technology as an agent of sexual assault, ESP. And this guy, he was churning out movies like he had a golden age from 1987 to 1993, where most of his like more celebrated films are made. But he made four movies in 1988 alongside uh, including Celluloid Nightmares and they have all he was in
1: his Ford era he was like I'm just cranking them
2: (laughs) and he's just cranking them out but they all have the same basic building blocks the same kind of tone of just like really sterile alienation almost like Cronenberg in a way where it's it's just this almost prosaic uh, presentation of the there's some Videodrome
1: and Crash in this for sure oh yeah
2: I mean Crash is the closest thing I've seen to like a, a western equivalent to Sato film honestly but sure, yeah, yeah he, he just has this prosaic, like brutalist filming style and he has these images he's constantly reconfiguring in and somehow he kept being able to make them, you know, even though they are so subversive for the form they're working in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, he, and, and
1: even though he had an extreme shock factor sensibility like <laughs> built into him, like he has, I didn't, I didn't check some of these out, but like he has some bestiality films, horse <laughs> and a yeah. woman and dog. Um, the, the 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 one that Perry mentioned, the promiscuous wife, disgraceful torture. He mm-hmm. cast a real life cannibal murderer in that film. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, Issei
2: Sagawa Oh, is yeah, he, who was is the documentary
1: the, uh, film subject of the film Cannibal For anyone who, oh, yeah, who has seen that, which,
2: he's very infamous. Yeah. Yeah, and it should mention yep. that the directors of Canaba produced one of the latest Sado films. Because wow, the, the, I didn't the pink know that. industry no longer exists. You know, it got destroyed by adult video. The same way yeah. that like nudie cuties got destroyed by hardcore porn to make a right. reductive comparison. But yeah. So Sado now mostly makes kind of cheap horror films or fetish films. He hasn't made a ton, but he's still making some. but the last like return to form Sado was produced by those two.
1: Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I might need to look into that because I've, I've seen Cannibal and I thought it was a horrifying film listening to that man speak for as long as he speaks on camera. <laughs>
2: well, if, if you want to see him do visual puns, he does visual puns in the bedroom where they literally have him eating ass as like a joke. Like, hey, he's a cannibal. Get <laughs> oh my, it? My God. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> that's, dude, this guy's king of bad taste. That's it, kind of impressive. It's evil. People, yeah, that,
1: that's fucking evil. crazy. I mean, my, my personal... And we'll, we'll get into the film soon because we, we, you'll have to know the reason we're going to take... We're, we're setting this up is because this does fit very snugly into so much of what he did for his uh, overall career and everything <laughs> like that but one of the ones that really stood out to me watching this week was muscle oh yeah um I to which watch is which that. i which is i think for a lot of people considered the, the first like gay pink film i guess or like is it is that true that's what i saw people saying
2: uh i don't know if it's the first but i think it's certainly the most infamous i mean mm. if, when people think of gay pink in terms of like western pink fan circles I can't speak to its reception in Japan but I mean mm. that's the one people usually go to. Well, well that's actually, definitely
1: I, a love letter to the sculpted male form in yes. those early images of the bodybuilders and then plus it's a huge homage and or at least it's it constantly cites Salo uh, director Pierre Pasolini as well mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, yeah that was just great like I'm just a, for a, uh, practically it basically just is a straightforward romance film about a sadomasochistic bodybuilder and it is the closest I've seen to him just making like a straight up romance movie, but like the dude's like obsessed with, <laughs> he cuts off his own lover's arm and keeps mm-hmm. it preserved in a jar. And then, yeah, you like, know, tries to hunt him down to make up for doing that act of violence to him. <laughs> a friend of the pod Rocky called it essential Mishima core, which I thought was basically yes. like the best way of describing uh, that film. Like it has the BDSM, the power, the queerness, the bodybuilding, like it's, it's all there.
2: <laughs> he has five gay movies. And And that was, you know, my entry to Sato as a fan of queer cinema, is I watched his movie Bondage Ecstasy. And I was like, what Mm -hmm. the fuck is this? Because it's just this bizarre movie kind of playing on Kafka's metamorphosis and that Chinese fable of the guy who, like, or, or the guy who, like, dreams he's a butterfly and then wakes up. It's like, oh, am I a butterfly dreaming I'm a man now? Or am I a man who dreamt I was a butterfly? But through, like... S&M porn, um, and his gay movies are usually a lot more tender than his heterosexual movies. Which okay. not, not say that his gay movies aren't pretty savage. I mean, he has one called Hunter Sense of Touch, which I no, think is No, I, I, I would yet. argue
1: Muscle was like the most that I've watched. I I, I question saying the word accessible in the context of this <laughs> filmmaker in general, but it is like the one where I was like, oh, that's kind of sweet.
2: Yeah, I didn't, no, you can you show it to you know?
1: people. You know, which is not typically the response I I get from his films, like even something like splatter naked blood, which is all about, you know, turning up, uh, uh, you know, which I mean does have an emotional element where like the scientist is experiencing a traumatic loss and trying to create this drug that will. You know, mm-hmm. remove the pain and instead replace it with happiness or pleasure and accidentally makes a drug that everyone goes that turns pain into pleasure. So people start, you know, mutilating themselves and popping their own eyeballs with forks and chopping uh, off their own genitals and eating them and all kinds of crazy uh, stuff.
2: That uh, All of his films deal with a kind of like emotional deadness, you know, or characters yes. who have this, uh, complete isolation or strong emotional ambivalence. And usually that's married to technology. Uh, And that's something that this film deals with a lot is this idea of like, Oh yeah. Characters who are exist in a technological society. And because of that, they're all their own islands. You know, they, Mm -hmm. they they cannot really connect with anyone else. Um, Something I, I want to mention here is there's this movement of uh, Japanese speculative fiction around this era, that's commonly called like "denpa," um, and which translates roughly to like electromagnetic wave. And basically, there was uh, a crime in 1981 where a guy stabbed four people, and he uh, he said that he was told to do it by messages transmitted in radio waves. And oh, after that, okay. there's I a thought lot thought you
1: were gonna say from a psychic cactus, and I was like, it's coming full circle. <laughs> no, no, but
2: through radio <laughs> okay. waves. And so there's a lot of art posts that that just deals with technological isolation that is put under that umbrella. Like people put um pulse or cure under that umbrella, people mm. put Sada under that umbrella, uh, the yeah. anime serial experiment. Speaking Lane. of
1: next week, anyone listening? Uh, pulse. Yes. Oh nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was one of the rule
0: breakers we had to. Yeah,
2: but yeah, it, there's just a lot of Japanese speculative art uh, around the end of the 20th century and the start of the 21st, just about.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you can definitely feel that in this, yeah. but uh, but also mixed in with like, you know, like a little bit of an of an attempt at, you know, like uh like it, I, I got a lot of Videodrome and a lot of peeping Tom in yes. this one, I will say, mm-hmm. from the like opening you know, just like from from the concept of the film, which weirdly enough, because it's doled out in this kind of atmospheric, mysterious element, I'll it's I'll admit easy. I was I was kind of confused. I, yeah. For about yeah. Half the movie or so. And it's only a 60 minute movie. And I was confused for large portions of it where I was kind of like, I don't know exactly who everybody is. But l- yeah. let me know if I get anything wrong here, Perry. So we've got I will a, be a, a, of no help. This was
2: my second okay. time watching it. And I was like, yeah, I kind of know what happens in it. I but think it.
1: I get it. I think I think we've got a killer or killers. which which we'll get to by the end with basically with backgrounds in filmmaking or broadcasting Mm -hmm. who are killing people with a camera that literally has a knife poke out of it. It's not just like the peeping Tom where he kills people with like the tripod points or whatever. Like he, like this is a knife inside a lens talking Mm -hmm. about how unsettle and funny this guy likes to be. Eventually we
0: will see a a tripod kill. We will also (laughs) see a
1: straight up. Yeah. Almost. what feels like a reference to peeping Tom basically. Uh, (laughs) Um, and then so they are shooting tapes of them basically you know like raping and torturing and dismembering women for the underground extreme video market which is how we get introduced to this sort of like female private investigator played by sato regular actually because i watched a couple i was like i've seen this girl a couple times and apparently a a co-writer with him a couple times Mm -hmm. um, yeah
2: kiyomi ito yeah
1: Kiyomi Ito yeah and and she's working as sort of like a private investigator but has a more sort of personal history we'll once again get into by the end of the film and she is kind of hot on the trail of the makers of these tapes for these personal reasons and ends up in you know gravitating towards also this young boy named Akira um, who works at the sex booth uh, as Perry mentioned and who finds one of the tapes while cleaning up uh, one day and basically becomes very video drum style in my opinion he becomes kind of like entranced and like obsessed Mm -hmm by the tape and this, you know, sort of underworld he's discovering to a kind of unhealthy degree. And I would say, honestly, it kind of makes all three of these batches of characters kind of like a lead of the film. Like yeah. it, it really doesn't feel like we're grounded. Like, I guess you could probably argue that the PI is the grounding because she's in the first scene and the last scene of the film in a way. Um, and, but like, because of the limited runtime, it feels like we get just as much time kind of spent with the uh, Mr. Spielberg of the uh, violent right. Pinkus. Uh, and uh and and also the uh the the young boys as well so
0: yeah yeah the first the first thing that popped uh into my head while i was watching this was just the haziness of it all like it did feel kind of disorienting um in a way that i found very effective but what like when we were mentioning an evil dead trap where both formats of cinematography kind of are more discernible um but but still utilized in kind of a way that they fuse together this one just seems to be it, it goes back and forth so often i found that it it creates like a excuse me disorienting kind of effect a very hazy effect like you're not quite sure what you're looking at sometimes um, even in the first like five minutes and then you it,
1: squint your eyes and you're like oh I'm watching a murder rape <laughs> snuff film
0: okay right, exactly <laughs> yeah. and then it'll cut from from that to somebody actually watching it on their television and then somebody making one of their own on like their, their own camera and like yeah. there's just and there's
1: then a, a dismembered arm layers. holding the tape in the middle of an abandoned city parking lot inside yeah, of a like, rotten fridge right next to
2: a like Greco-roman bust.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. like the first five minutes of this, it starts with the the VHS rape murder sequence. and then you go into this like kind of, this this spin that that where, where the camera actually gets more more modern, but it's just capturing the camera that was capturing the VHS sequence. And then it goes to the city uh, that you, you guys were mentioning, where it shows like the the hand holding the tape in the fridge, which is I almost kind forgot of about that shot of the almost. camera that you
1: mentioned. That's yeah, so important.
0: Right. Uh, and, and and the um, th- that that scene, too, where the, the camera is kind of leading up to the fridge holding the hand. It's, it's it's a better looking footage than the VHS stuff or the the home video stuff, but it still kind of has this strange way that... It, it's almost got like a POV quality to it, so you're still not quite sure what part of the film that you're at. And um, then it goes into like a couple... Uh, uh, I think watching the tape or watching a news about the murder, and then they end up having like softcore porn, scene, a, a softcore mm-hmm. porn scene. So there's just so much that happens in this first five to ten minutes that's gonna kind of spell out the rest of the way that he formats his movies. It seems, I di- yeah, but yeah. So I think my confusion when it came to the plot sometimes was just the all the the haziness.
1: Yeah. I mean, like once the once the reveals are made, I feel like in retrospect, I kind of understood a little bit more because I was kind of like it is weird that this like private investigator is watching these tapes and getting turned on by these tapes in a way or like has them while they're having sex. And, And it is worth noting, too, more so than Evil Dead Trap. This one is just straight up like kind of like when it gets into the sex scenes, it's it's pink film. Like it's just yeah. a soft core. Like, yeah, he, like yes. he does include yeah. the obligatory five fuck scenes that I was mentioning mm-hmm. before. Like they are just in here and they are just extended, sort of meant to be erotic sex scenes. And they're more But What's too. interesting I, is. I,
2: well, I'm not sure how much they are meant to be erotic. Like it's not like he's shooting them intentionally unerotically or anything, but he shoots them yeah. with the same visual language. Everything else is shot which is again it's definitely off-putting it's very very (laughs) very static um and again i mean that first sex scene is lit by the it's lit by the the violence from the snuff film
1: Mm -hmm. yep and then
2: you have like
1: and and her asking to get handcuffed which is like a dark detail which we find out about later yeah uh
2: and and there's um of course the uh (laughs) like the oral sex in films is they suck on bulges and underwear. Mm-hmm. But having that in Sato films almost feels fitting, like this weird neurotic type of sex. Yeah. yeah. Um, like every
0: every sex scene has this uh, some strange dynamic. Like the, the, the first one is where, you know, they just watch the tape and then they decide to have sex. The second one I believe is the incestuous relationship with the, mm-hmm. the camera guy and the brother or uh, the sister. Uh, the third one yeah. is kind of this like power, which dynamic is funny. They're with, li-
1: she's literally like, let's just commit incest. <laughs> <Then> <laughs> yeah, they just go scary. at it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> scary, like, <laughs> and make the loudest, wettest and kissing <laughs> noises yeah, and oh e-
0: ever. It's yeah. It, horrible. It, the, the, the sex scenes <laughs> are, are pretty explicit as, as much as they can be. Um, um, and uh and then the third one I believe is like a more power dynamic thing where it's the uh the, the big director, I think his name is is it Cross or something like that? Um I have it written down, but yeah. uh, regardless, um, and her, her, his uh, assistant, I believe, that gets him like the models. So there's this, there's well, well, always well, yeah, something... and
1: Yeah, and star of his, uh, yes. his very famous pink film that everyone knows because it's like the one about like, what about a if a bug like lived inside of a woman and yeah, then it and like then, writhed around in torture and it pleasured her and then it like, you know. Then they it, do a
2: lover's suicide together, her and this. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they call him <laughs> Mr. Spielberg. Right. Yeah, which yeah, is great. The Spielberg yeah. of the, the underground. He's the Spielberg of pink films. Yes. <laughs> and and even before that <laughs> sex
0: scene between the star and and him, he like smacks her and uh, kicks out another model and stuff. So there's there's definitely these yeah. these constant strange dynamics to every sex scene, even though the sex scenes themselves are are filmed as if you're just supposed to watch like two good looking people rub up against each other. Um,
1: there's always yeah, this well, strange well, dynamic
0: underlying it.
1: Absolutely. Well, because he makes everyone's kind of fetishes like quite clear and the very sort of like dark place that they might have come from. Mm-hmm. And then he also has like a, a fatalism to it. Like when, when we find out that that movie is about that bug escaping her body because he's, you know, he's rid the round enough that he finally gets out. But then he finds out that he can't live outside her body, which is why they do the suicide actor the suicide lover sort of element to it and like that feels honestly like even what his sex scenes are like and even if if you start getting into like the rhythm of it it feels like he immediately like kind of cuts you off at the moment when you know like 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 even that first sex scene which is like maybe where someone could be like oh I see this is a porn film it's immediately cut to this disorienting steely blue cityscape image mm-hmm. followed by an overhead dolly of the men jacking off in the filthy sex booths mm-hmm. Yeah, and like and you're immediately like oh well that's just that's just this is just gross and then you see you it's where you get the first reality of Akira who is going to each booth and he's literally like cleaning out like the the tissues <laughs> yeah. and, and shit like that and you're you just like, him, like oh my god
0: hold on to the garbage bag because he's just like oh this yeah. is absolutely disgusting <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and like that's it's a detail TV. that like pinion would get as he was saying like he would get in trouble for it. you know like that's exactly the kind of thing where you're just like okay so you cut away from the sex scene to show a dude like cleaning up tissues at a sex booth yeah mm-hmm. like that's a very off-putting image to immediately smash cut to after a scene like you that mean,
2: it, it, it's just a really like Dark joke to put in your you're saying that people are gonna watch like it's porno, right? I mean, like yeah. the way these films were the distributed. The second he people, got
1: a man jacking yeah. off, show him a man yeah. jacking off in the dis- most disgusting way possible. Yeah, <laughs> like,
2: people didn't come to pink films as like, oh, the new Hisayasu Sado's out. I got to catch that in theaters. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. not like us. These would just yeah. play on. Yeah, these just play on double bills <laughs> in their con- in their original context. And you know, I, I I just cannot imagine seeing a Sado film for the first time. Or ever, I guess, just thinking like, yeah, I'm just going to watch a normal porn. I've, yeah, I've done with work for today. I'm going to go to the theater. I'm going to see something like.
1: Going to go see a dirty movie. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> just uh, you know, get but, some get some stress relief. That's another mark on like the the self reflexive streak, or just I mean, there's general medium reflexivity in it too. Because, of course, again, like Evil Dead Traps, all the images of screens and eyeballs, this literally has, like, the violating camera. And there's an incredible shot where the knife coming out of the camera is pressed up against an eyeball. Yeah. Um, there's all the really blatant cribs from, yet yeah, Videodrome and Peeping Tom and people talking about Spielberg. And there are <laughs> bits where they discuss, like, underground video films from America, which are yes. essentially, like, political snuff films. They talk about mm-hmm. like oh yeah the people in America film KKK lynchings and like they sell these yeah. tapes.
1: Yeah, I, I, I laughed when she mentioned uh, Lolita films because I was mm-hmm. like, dude, yeah. you made. A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And no, uh, he didn't make exactly one, but I was yeah. like, it was funny that he had one that was titled that, and I was so it was just it was very funny to watch that in preparation for then a character who explicitly <laughs> like you know says that what a horrible thing it is for someone to you know <laughs> yeah make a film like that um and yeah it creates this deliberate whiplash effect with it where he's indulging in the voyeurism and you know in characters who you know turn to their screens for pleasure and for even you know in in his case for the transgressive sort of like transmission power but mm-hmm. which is the most drum aspect of it for me mm-hmm. where it's like you know there is em- literally employees of tv stations who are here like you know they're what's the what's the line the director gets at one point where it was like it was more, it's different than when I was at the TV station because this is real. You right. Know? This is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's he's kind of an artiste, you know, he's creating the real thing. He's having a real effect. And and honestly, the viewers are telling him that. They're saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I, the one about the bug and the girl kind of fucked me up. And it's pretty artsy, you know, it's yeah. kind of a masterpiece when you think about it, <laughs> yeah. which is the way we're going to be talking about this. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, the the whole last like 15 minutes take place in this chamber where there's, uh, a woman really tied up but there's also she's being filmed and all the screens around her show her being filmed
0: yeah and it's yes. like
2: the the evil dead trap thing where it's like oh well this is happening on tv it's not well th- that's even a line from this movie right where it's like oh that's just a video that's not real
1: It is, yeah, because the sister who the uh, Akira is having an incestuous relationship with, she becomes a bit concerned when he starts going back to his apartment every day and just watching this tape over and over again. He's saying that he's watching it because I think it's real. Like, I think that she might have actually been hurt. She might have been killed. And I and I believe and maybe you guys once again will because if we do want to at some point get into the sort of spoiler territory, it is at one point revealed that one of these rape tapes was made about the private investigator woman who's looking into this, which is why Mm -hmm. she is looking into this community to, you know, uh, a a little bit. She she sounds like she was trying to escape it because she like got like facial reconstruction surgery or something. Mm -hmm. And she like actually changed the way that she looked Yeah, in order to, and because she was a TV uh, newscaster before, which actually unites the two films as well, where Mm -hmm. the lead of the film who is attacked is a TV newscaster. Um, but uh, there's this element to it where she. I, why do I already forget where I was going with this? Um, was it the
0: uh, what the director has to say about her having the reconstruction? Because I thought that that was pretty interesting. Him almost looking at it. Yeah, as that like was this masterful sequel or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, that was pretty dark. But I, I think I was leading into the the element of the so the. the I think we're meant to believe that in the opening scene, that's the tape she's watching, right? She's mm, watching yeah. her own attack. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then that tape is misplaced at the sex booth and we're not sure who by. And so that's the tape that he is watching. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the kid kind of becomes obsessed because he starts forming a relationship with this private investigator. And it turns out it is the woman who was being assaulted in in the film and everything like that. So like that, uh, that to me was what I eventually kind of got out of it. But again, it was a little a little confusing journey in order to get yeah, there. But like that, the, the more hypnotic element of the film started to make more sense to me when I was like, this guy is kind of becoming obsessed with this woman in that kind of peeping Tom Hitchcockian mm-hmm. kind of fashion that he's watching on this screen. And that's when the sister is like, dude, you're okay. You're kind of just watching like this fucked up tape over and over again, <laughs> even though, you know, I think it's fake. It's not real. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I believe that the, the young, The young boy at one point, too, he's he becomes kind of like a a red herring for a little bit because of his obsession. I think (laughs) that she starts to accuse him of being the possible killer because there's even these kind of like on purposely more on purposely disorienting scenes where she starts to get like chased by um, a, a car that almost seems like it hits her. But then it cuts away to her being in a room
1: and she's she's okay. So it's just a scare. Um, Talk about fear of modern technology, literally like yeah. car jump scares, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. So I did kind of like that where it starts to get a, like, it, 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 like honestly, this just movie feels the word is like hazy, cloudy, disorienting, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and purposely so. It can be a little frustrating in that sense sometimes. At least it was for me in this this first go, but um, mm-hmm. it leads to this like kind of horrifying rabbit hole that you just keep diving into deeper and deeper. So. Uh, it does have a cool effect to it.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, even the way that those images, because they are like I, I think, as Jamie's putting it, like they they're done in this kind of experimental use of analog video, and mm. I mean, a, as with all Sato films, as you'll see. Uh, there are these just gorilla shots of the uh, the cityscapes and people just, you know, looking up at them and being overwhelmed yeah. by them and the, and the technological elements and stuff like that. But when when those images even start to come to life for him, like that incredible shot, where it almost seems like the kid thinks he's in the tape or something. And like we actually just go to the tape footage like the night it was mm-hmm. shot where, you know, you get the dude with the camcorder with the POV knife sticking out of it, like grabbing her arm and scaring her in this like very low angle, you know, the camera very low angle pushing away as, this creepy figure is standing there and the camera as a killing tool, as we mentioned, you know, it, it has origins in something like peeping Tom, but I also thought a little bit about Larry Cohen's special effects, yeah. uh, especially that one scene with the director in his sunglasses on the roughy set, like standing next to the tripod and stuff like that. Like just how cool he kind of sees of himself <laughs> as an artist, which yeah. you do feel is kind of Sato like being like, you know, kind of poking fun at maybe other filmmakers, but also maybe himself a little <laughs> bit. <Yeah. you> know? <laughs> Yeah, totally. um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's there was there was a you know a strange hypnotic quality to just the some of the imagery that he picks that did start to build for me, and the gross out images like the the under the finger fingernail blade oh part God. that reminded me of that 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 part that always makes me cringe in Fire Walk with Me when they yeah. go to find that message under her nail. That's what it kind of reminded me of. But real with Jamie
0: in that footage, like
1: unbelievably, it does real. it really disturbed me. <laughs> to be- and, and 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 Jamie mentioned. It off recording, but the the maggots and the noodles. Oh yeah, it's that that fusion.
0: (laughs) Like not only does he fuse the two kind of like uh, uh, cinematography formats together, but the constant fusion of just like sex and absolutely disgusting death imagery is constant Mm -hmm. and he has like in that scene specifically he's got he kind of sets you up for like if it's going to be somehow a like a food softcore porn thing where she's she's like slowly opening her legs and you see her underwear and then you see kind of like her lips come together and her uh yeah tampopo this uh, is uh, not yeah yeah and then all of a sudden she looks down and (laughs) sees the maggots and like throws up and it's just this constant fusion of the two things that are just disgusting and you can't look away.
2: <laughs> the version of it in the film that is most bracing for me is um, near the climax when a chest is cut open with a blade and then a heel is stuck into the wound, oh, like a high yeah. heel. Oh, and that's yeah. just such a awful image. I mean, yeah, it's not as abstract as the, as the maggots and the spread legs, but it's like there's something to the, the raw power of how literal it is. There's also something
0: about yeah. the, the way that he does most of the voyeurism in this, which is to say like a lot of it, usually what you see is from a, from a distance. And this is just incredibly close up. It's always mm-hmm. someone being absolutely terrified by what they're seeing. It's super br- uh, bright because they're using that, you know, crappy, overly lit camera light. Uh, and mm-hmm. so there's just something ugly about those images as well. Uglier than just the the violence itself, just the way they look, um, And I, I loved that too. Like it's, it's not even just when they get to the, you know, like the torture chamber thing, but it's, it's the stuff on the, like there's one shot where I think it's before they take them to the chamber and it's just a very overly bright light in a, like on a dark street, uh, with some girl like next to a wall or something like that. And she's, you know, screaming, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's terrifying stuff, but, um, He really did think about how it looks, even if it's ugly as sin.
1: Yeah, I mean, eventually all of this leads to the big sort of kidnapping and torture and murder sequence that happens in this, you know, sort of uh, director's torture chamber, where I think is meant to be the reveal that the actress, that uh, the lingerie actress that the director has a sex scene with um, is actually involved. And she's kind of the lead in his films because she's also helping him like find girls and, you know, maybe is just as into it as as kind of he is during Which is, I think, meant to be kind of like the shocking moment when, you know, like the uh, private investigator wakes up and she's being stripped in front of a wall of TV screens where she can basically watch herself die because all the cameras are put on her Mm -hmm. and uh, have her photographs taken and basically... uh, uh, you know, also happening to because this scene it happens right after the part where the brother just objectified the sister who he was shooting yeah. test footage to be like, hey, sister, why don't you be in one of this director's films? He's a he's Mr. Spielberg of the pink films. And then he finds out that the test camera has the killer's knife in it, which freaks his sister out. And he's kind of like. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. whose camera was this? You know, this clearly, this is Which you ends know, up <laughs>
0: being kind of like the convincing factor for when he shows the one girl because she's like, wow, she can act because yes. <laughs> she can't see the knife. And the sudden, like, cause, cause the, the footage is just, you know, she's dancing, she's happy, she's, she's laughing. And then all of a sudden just terrified and, and crumbled to the ground. And, you know, like, um, and so I, I yeah, that contrast is very interesting.
1: Well, and, and it captures his own intrigue with it because oh, in this totally. final like yeah. sequence, when, you know, when they, when, when she is like held, uh, you know, in this, you know, sort of like torture chamber and the sex booth employee Akira is like out kind of looking for her, um, there, you know, there's this quality where she's, she's chained up, she's like sliced open, she's drugged with what looks like the needle from reanimator. It's like a cartoonishly huge needle, <laughs> It's a big deal. um, as perry put it she has her chest stomped on and punctured by a heel um because yeah because yeah like if, if the director is the killer then the actress from you know the 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 bug film is is now in on it and honestly the the bdsm quality just reminded me of the bdsm subplot in uh, muscle uh, with the girls mm-hmm. all the guys all getting stomped on um <laughs> looking forward to but, that as this all pulls away you just get like more reveal of this crazy layer with all the analog equipment and like the projector screens and you get akira eventually breaking in and like killing the actress with the camera brutally and like beating her to death and the knife stabbing her and gushing blood all over him this is like the uh japanese gore film literally like peeping tom scene when Mm -hmm. he decides he's gonna kill someone with the camera
0: (laughs) and this is directly after uh they have sex Uh, I believe the the that like lead actress for cross and uh, (laughs) oh yeah I forgot
1: he fit one of his five fuck scenes in (laughs) there I forgot we forgot about that one (laughs) yeah right before the gruesome tripod murder yes (laughs) Uh yeah, well cause he had to have one one lesbian scene. Yeah. And he was like, okay, we got we got it. We we satisfied it. Now watch her get murdered to death with a tripod. <laughs> yeah. And then watch this kid basically like go fucking crazy. Because I think the director comes in at one point who's yep. revealed to be like the newscaster who essentially made the rape videotape the first time of the private detective woman. Um, and as I mentioned, she got like facial surgery and basically changed her life and found herself in their path again by kind of like circumstance. And yeah, that line that you were talking about, Jamie, where he just calls her like a great creation or production. Mm-hmm. And like he's like, yeah, you changed the way that you look. Now we can make a really great sequel with you, which triggers the, you know, the the kid to go up and kill him with the knife camera as well. Everyone dies by knife camera in yeah. this finale, by the way. <laughs> yeah.
0: And doesn't uh, this one, this one part kind of confused me. Maybe it was um, Kiyomi, but when there's a second time where he goes up and it's a girl that stabs him with a knife. And is that Kiyomi? Because it looked like she was in a different dress, but that could have been because they switched her out during the whole torture sequence as well. Uh, do you guys know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I, I think because I think you're talking
0: about when the kid gets killed? Well, it's, um, oh, is it? Maybe that's what I'm getting confused with. I might be getting cross-confused with the the cross-kill confused with the kid kill. Yeah, that's probably what it is.
1: Okay, yeah, because because the kid kills cross and then they kind of think that they're safe. But then the kid, based on my interpretation, he's become so obsessed with this footage and this form of art. And he has now basically taken the place of the director killer. And he basically looks like he's fucking crazed and that he's going to go after her next because he's found the girl in the videotape he was obsessed with. And he basically looks like he's about to make the sequel himself Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. that moment. So she has to kill him. Yeah. And, you know, she stabs him to death and it's gushing blood all over her face. And there is like a little bit of like a, you know, she she has like a little bit of a smile to her. Oh, yeah. And then you get that really
0: that in when she gets all that blood covered with her. There's no there there is there is kind of a. It's slight, but there there feels like there's a satisfaction there.
1: (laughs) There is a cycle of traumatic violence taking place uh, here and which does result in a pretty kind of lyrical final image where, you know, she literally it's random images of the city. And I think it's meant to be like the end of her original tape, maybe or something like that, where she points the camera at herself, which I was guessing was how she had the tape at the beginning because she still just had the tape the whole time. And when she points the camera at herself, it can't even bear to look at her anymore. So it starts to blur, and then the screen just straight up like breaks. Yeah, which is like a crazy, yeah. like weird meta moment.
0: And she screams, and you get this really strange close up of an eye, and then it's just credits. And what's cool too about the yeah. credits is it's kind of um, like like stuttered, like as if it's frame by frame as they go up. I just like it's like a design. digital scroll. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool. And a huge, like, especially yeah. in this last five, ten minutes, an incredible fusion of pretty much all of his, his ideas he's using when it comes to uh, cinematography just put together here. It's, it's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. It's disorienting, but it is very effective.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of sat in my brain longer than I, you know, thought it would because when it, my like my, my first visceral reaction to watching it is I was going, do you know what, this isn't quite as disturbing or upsetting as I expected just because mm-hmm. I um <laughs> I had just watched Lolita, uh, Vibrator <laughs> Torture, number one, uh, but even Splatter Naked Blood, I was like, you know, this doesn't have like someone chopping off their genitals and eating <laughs> them and being like, okay. ooh, delicious, you know, like, you know, so I, I wasn't quite as like offended by this movie in terms of sensibility and then The character subjectivity and obsession of it just didn't quite click for me in the early elements. And it kind of clicked for me after when I started really thinking about the movie and started like, uh, you know, seeing his preoccupations and how they kind of fit in. Whereas with Muscle, I was kind of intrigued on like a romantic level with that film, with the characters and the things that so going this one does kind of stand out as it feels like the ultimate Sato commentating on the Sato project film in a way is (laughs) what it, so, so looking at it on that level, kind of in retrospect, because that's something to say that this is, I didn't have like a negative reaction to the film by any means. I just (laughs) definitely in the middle of watching it, uh, I I was kind of like oh there's like a this almost has like a you know sort of mystery crime film quality to it that I've never really seen him do and it is kind of like a it is kind of like a basic reveal to it but um, I don't know I don't know this one has kind of sat in my mind just all of the as Perry was putting it like the the obsession with the technology the almost weird Hitchcockian element where he's like obsessed with this rape victim on this tape who turns out to be the girl who is the detective in a way like I don't know like it's uh it's a it, it it does have some some things to really chew on and doing the director as the killer that we've we've talked about definitely a kind of film that we we really enjoy on the show um and yeah i don't know it, it, the the video dreamscape and the off-putting nature of of sato in general i i would say that this kind of ended up i'll say on first watch this ended up in kind of like the the lower four territory for me if we're uh, pivoting towards the reductive rating round um <laughs> but i i do want to I do want to go back to it because I, yeah, it was just one of those things where my immediate impression was like, Oh, I I guess that's, that's what this is. Um, and, uh, after the fact it's, it has, it's, it's haunted a little bit. I'll say it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think right now I'm going to go with it, uh, like a very strong, uh, three, just because I, I still would like, I like this conversation is definitely, uh, cleared up a few things for me here. It's just there, there is a like I said a haziness to the film that I, I do like. I just found myself a little detached to the, to the storyline because of it. Um, but I think with a with a rewatch, I feel like it would probably get there. So you know me, I just like to actually do that before I commit. So um, I'd still highly recommend it if this is the. Type of thing that you're into, and if you're following the show, you probably are. But yeah, like like for both films, a forewarning that they are uh, very explicit, and uh, just you're gonna feel a little filthy, you know. Um, but you know, Sato is he, he does have a really good control of uh, of the camera. I, I think he's got some really great ideas. Surprisingly, the sex stuff is like the least. Um, Like, it seems like he considered that the less than everything else when it came to like the shot setups and stuff. There is kind of a, like yeah. Perry said, kind of a static nature to the to the sex scenes, which, you know, and given he, the and, context, and he found a way
1: to shock you and uh, uh, slap you on the wrist for getting into it in any way by <laughs> yeah. immediately cutting from the sex to a bunch of filthy dudes jacking off and having to clean the sex booths.
0: Yeah, or just having a really like, like kind of standard softcore porn scene, but right before it, it's the context is, hey brother, would you like to have incest? So it's just uh, there, there's always something there that's kind of stopping you from really feeling any eroticism or something like that. But uh, it's um, it, it's it's quite a journey. So yeah, I would I would still recommend it if this is uh, your he, kind of he thing. He wouldn't
1: be who he is without eroticism and then punishment <laughs> right.
2: for exactly. eroticism. Exactly. You know? so.
0: Exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's my score
1: for you, Perry.
2: Um, I'm gonna give this one a four. Uh, mm. The reason why I mean I. I love it, but I admit I've seen enough. I, I've seen like 18, 19 Sato movies at this point. And I kind of have developed <laughs> like so a so many,
1: dude. Are you okay? That's all, that's, I we mean, need to have a talk. He's the
2: greatest. He's the best. Um, <laughs> but I've kind of developed like a Sado curve in my head because of that. and I, mean, I okay. love this movie and I love everything it's doing, but it just. Maybe that's not fair, though. Maybe I'll just. Give it a five because I, I <laughs> think it is a five. But yeah, fuck it. Yeah, you know what? It's a five. It's a great movie by the greatest director of all time. Uh, Let's go make another one of his bangers. <laughs> That's killer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll I'll say I I I do I do see myself coming back to this one, which is not something I can say about uh, Lolita vibrator torture, uh, which is you know. <laughs> yeah, there is an to
0: intrigue to this one. I gotta say, it feels like even for an hour that you could miss a lot. Uh, And I, and and that's, that's, it is uh, oddly dense, I would, I would. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and and the fact that, you know, we were making comparisons to Videodrome and Crash and they kind of feel like some of the interest that he had, but he was just doing it in the production model that was offered to him. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you feel like if maybe if he had, you know, that he could have explored these ideas, Uh, you know, he, he could have went in like a similar vein if he had had, you know, more money or a different market that he was presenting to. But also, you know, I don't, I don't know that for sure. Maybe he loved this market. Maybe he thought this was the greatest thing ever. Maybe he loved the, uh, you know, the, uh, the contradiction of it as well. And, and that it would piss people off. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm looking at a a couple here. Muscle is one that I'm absolutely going to get to. I already downloaded it because you linked us up earlier, Josh. But uh, this one called uh, Rampo Noir looks
2: really interesting from 2005. That's an anthology ah, But He he has a really good segment in it um, because he adapts, uh, if I can go on a Spew of a second, he adapts this story called The Caterpillar, Mm -hmm. uh, which is about a man who comes home from the Japanese Russian War. Uh, horribly mutilated he has no tongue no eye no he has a tongue but he doesn't have any eyes he doesn't have any limbs um, and he just wants his wife to have sex with him all the time and his wife basically gets uh, is goes between like pitying him and being disgusted by him and it is the perfect literary material for a sado film although <laughs> the rest of the movie is not quite as good Oh, okay. Is he? You you'd say that he's the his parts the highlight. Yeah, his parts highlight. The Jisoji is pretty good too. Okay, cool,
1: cool, cool. Is there is, is there any uh, one that you would recommend, uh, Perry, for people trying to get into the deeper cuts? Maybe. Um,
2: mm-hmm. Hunter Sense of Touch is my favorite. Where okay. a lot of his movies are you know they're riffing on uh, other popular genre films like we've mentioned, Videodrome, Peeping Tom. A couple of his movies have pretty clear the conversation DNA, but Hunter sense of Touch is his cruising. Um,
1: oh wow! Okay. Sold <laughs>
2: <I, I>, exactly. <laughs> That's all you need. It's fantastic.
0: Oh yeah, I got. I only okay. got a couple of mutuals, but both of them. One of them fives it, and one of them fours it. So looks looks highly recommended there. We. there. Yeah, In sixty there, minutes. There we go. Let's go. I'm down.
1: They're all 60 minutes because yeah, they played it. in double bills where you sat there for two hours. Oh, so right, they right. were like, there you go. You get, you get two of them. Now, <laughs> beautiful. The, the question is, Perry, have you seen Nay, Nay means yes.
2: I have not seen Nay means okay. yes. I, um, I,
1: I, I can, I cannot find if it lives up to that title or not, Danny, and I'm too terrified.
2: <laughs> yeah, to yes, get played I, I, that I admit, <laughs> I've seen enough Joe D'Amato movies where I'm not in a rush to watch other movies where people have sex with horses. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah sort me neither. i my phone. No, but, He's um, the best at it. We're
0: gonna just let him. Do yeah. It.
2: No. Look. A- anyone who makes Emmanuel in America owns horse sex on film. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah. No one else. <laughs> He's your really Kevin it.
2: Smith. You know what I'm saying? I,
0: That's right.
2: I, I didn't mention the side. I watched Emmanuel in America for the first time like a month ago, and I have considered being like Josh. We gotta swap out one of these movies and watch Emmanuel in America. Oh my it, god. It, it, if, if you want to see another really disgusting uh, snuff film, erotic question mark movie, that's a my, my third bonus pick here. That'll be uh, okay. that could be for next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Prepare your worst again next year, Perry. There you, there you go. But uh, yeah, well, I think that that is going to wrap it up for celluloid nightmares and for this week's episode. Um, uh, once again, that was. Oh, my God. Why am I... This always (laughs) happens to me at the end of an episode. Evil Dead Trap. That's right. That was uh, the 1988 uh, snuff film double feature of Evil Dead Trap um, and Celluloid Nightmares. Uh, Thanks so much, uh, Perry, for uh, joining us and for bringing these films with you. Uh, If you've got anything to plug while you're here, what's going on in Perry World? Any new writing coming out or anything?
2: Uh, Yeah. So... Uh, I have a writer's website now, finally, which is perryruhland.com, P-E-R-R-Y-R-U-H-L-A-N-D.com, and that is a list of all my publications and films, uh, has links to my movies. Uh, you can watch Sungazer through there. You can find links okay. to some of my stories published online. I just watch had Sungazer.
0: A, a yeah, it's awesome.
2: Pretty cool movie. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I just had the story called amusement published in this journal chthonic matter quarterly which is about a town which succumbs to an architectural virus that turns it into an amusement park and i think by the time this episode goes up i'll be allowed to say that i have my story the Flytrap garden coming out in this journal Vasterian, which is a fantastic journal and there's a story i'm very proud of and uh one last thing if i may If you like the sort of uh, erotic, grotesque scuzz uh, in these movies or movies like them, I have a poetry collection called Torture Gardens, which is hopefully in this vein that you can purchase uh, through my itch.io page. Awesome.
1: Let's go. Go uh, check all those out for sure. Uh, For our listeners, uh, we are going to be back in one week's time where we are going to be doing your patron voted episode where we let you guys break the rules because we liked the double feature enough. We're going to be talking about Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse, staying in the realm of uh, Japanese technological horror. And uh, that film is going to be paired with Olivier S.A.S.'s Demon Lover, which, believe it or not, I have uh, not seen.
2: That's good. That's, uh, I'm glad we could fit this one in because this is a good bridge between, uh, Evil Dead and Demon Lover.
1: Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we're going to have some fucked up weeks on this show, uh, <laughs> coming up, which is going to be funny because, because, like, that's next week exclusively on the Patreon for anyone interested. But in two weeks' time, we're kind of going back to the, uh... <laughs> The more easily accessible uh, uh, horror and scuzz, because we're going to be talking about somehow two films that I've never seen. I I think I caught the first one when I was like a kid, but I don't remember it that well. We're going to be talking about the Chud films. Okay. Hell yeah. (laughs) I've heard of these, but I don't think I've seen either. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about Chud and Chud Two with a with a special guest who like really likes those films and wanted to talk about them with us. So you know, for anyone who's the the Chud superfans, we are gonna have a <laughs> Chud Fest <laughs> yeah. in, uh, in 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 uh, two weeks time Chud-ing over on the uh, the main feed. But yeah, I think that uh, once again wraps it up for everything uh, this week. Thanks so much for listening, and keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy, everybody. Keep it sleazy.